Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you... Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing about sports for the duration of the show. Sorry about last week. Uh, last, uh, very last minute thing that ended up happening. Uh, I ended up going to the New England Revolution game on Saturday, so uh, I didn't really have much of a chance to put out a, a bit of a uh, notification. Uh, Lou, I do know I tried to get a hold of you. Um, did Alex end up uh, getting that message to you? Yes, he did. Okay, and Blue got the message to me. Okay, great, great. That, that's what I, that's what I was hoping, Diane. I was hoping because uh, I tried texting Lou, and uh, I don't, I didn't know if he got my text at all. So I tried uh, uh, channeling the message through uh, through Alex, and um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, you know, I ended up going to see a great game, a uh, three-to-three tie. It ultimately ended up in uh, between the uh, New England Revolution and the Chicago Fire, and God knows I was uh, uh, about 12 beers deep and maybe a, maybe a vodka or two. Actually, I thought you were going, going to a Red Sox or a Celtics game. No, I wish. Uh, Red Sox. I mean, Red Sox, Much they were away. Uh, soccer. Okay. Yeah, I went to a, I went to a, uh, to a soccer game, uh, the New England Revolution, uh, yeah, at Gillette Stadium. Yeah, but they had, uh, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty loud crowd for, for, for a soccer game at a football stadium. I got to tell you, it was a pretty loud crowd where I was sitting. Uh, and actually, I was I rewatched some of the stuff on uh, on the television portion of it on uh, on Apple Plus. And my uh, God, yeah. I, I think I think I think uh, either they either they hyped up the volume on the television broadcast, or we were really damn loud. Uh, but probably both. Needless to, needless to say, though it was a uh, it was a great uh, a great experience. Uh, I did get to see the new scoreboard that they're putting up uh, at Gillette for for uh, in time for the Patriots games. Uh, don't know if it's going to be finished, but it's you know, Lou, it kind of reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys uh, scoreboard a little bit that they have uh, yeah. at the end zones. Where they have it, they have it at the end zones where it like sort of wraps around. I know exactly so, what that is. Yeah, so it's uh, it, it was definitely uh, it, obviously the thing is not finished yet. It they're they're still working on a few uh, on a few bits right. of it, but you know part of the part of the scoreboard itself was actually working, um, but. Yeah, we are back tonight. We are back this week. Uh, we do have hell. I have I have last week's list that I was going to bring up, and we also have a whole bunch of stuff from this week as well. Uh, we have the Stanley Cup Finals 
that are underway right now with a one-to-one tie uh, between the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, off of goals from Stanley Cup veteran Eric Stahl and Stanley Cup newcomer uh, Jonathan. Or actually, no, he isn't a newcomer. He played uh, when Vegas played their first year, uh, Jonathan Audi Marchessault. Uh, right. Tied up at one apiece. And I can't believe it's it, for the first goal. Was, I can't believe it. Yeah, with Eric Stahl. With uh, Eric yeah, Stahl, wow. it was a shorthanded goal, too. That makes it even worse. Why? Yeah, that actually, it does make it worse. Yeah, you don't expect, you know, a team that's, you know, well, then again, look what – Look what the team has done all year. I mean, nobody expected even them to get this far. I mean, first you beat Boston, which had to be the most incredible upset in the playoff history. And, you know, the other teams are playing the Golden Knights and holding their own against that. Right. And and, and especially mm-hmm. especially the thing, too, is it's, uh, it's it's in Vegas, too, for this, for this game one. Yeah. So... It is. It, it's uh, it's in Vegas, game one here, and you know the one thing I said on your show earlier today, Lou, was uh, a real determination of this series of how this series would go would be how game one starts out. If Florida can keep their momentum going with an early goal, then it could potentially be uh, you know it, it could potentially be a short series. However, though, Vegas mm-hmm. did respond. They did respond with Jonathan Marchessault's 10th goal of the playoffs. Uh, yes. He's become quite the, uh, quite the go-to guy, actually, for the Vegas Golden Knights in this playoff run. So it should be very uh, – obviously, you know, we're just through one period right now, but there's still a lot of, st- a yeah. lot of stuff that has, to, uh, that has to take place. Uh, let's bring in let's bring in Alex. Uh, Alex, how you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Hope you had fun. Uh, yes, it's been a great great uh, game so far, man. Good to see Lundqvist on the yeah. uh, the intermission report as well with the guys. Yeah, Dubrovsky is looking awesome, and then uh, they got by him, got past, got one past him, and then uh, he'll been stepping it up. Both goaltenders, I think, are playing pretty well. It's been a good battle so far. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I definitely, I definitely mm-hmm. agree. You know, the one thing, the one thing that I noticed before Vegas got that, before Vegas got their goal, was they tried doing one of those ticky, ticky-tacky, sort of, uh, sort of goal attempts where, you know, they would, they, they would do like multiple deeks and try to like, try to squeeze it in basically on the right side, uh, or yeah. technically it was, it was uh, Bobrovsky's left side of his net. Uh, but on the on the television screen, it's on the right side, uh, and that may have worked against Vegas, or uh, that may have worked against Dallas last last uh, series. That's not going to work against against Bobrovsky. No, Bobrovsky he he has a great way of tying up loose parts of the net, so basically squeezing himself completely in. Yeah. He's got cat-like quickness too. I mean, he's he he's uh, he's one of the superior goalies. I mean, he's he's right at the top of the list. He's looking awesome. I mean, no goalie's infallible, so 
1-1. It's going to be a great game tonight either way. It's, it's been really, really even. Uh, both, both teams are going hard so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, let's, let's, let's start with you on, uh, on this, Alex. Who do you have taking this series? We've already seen one period so far. Uh, both teams, it seems like for the most part, well, Panthers outshot the Knights nine to seven, but uh, Panthers have the have uh, well, technically, I don't know who you could give the edge to when it comes to experience, but in terms of the the hardest road, you could say that the Panthers had the hardest road to the Stanley Cup Finals. Compared okay. to Vegas, yeah, I mean it's tough to. It's we were talking about it a little bit before the show, Steve. You always have great uh, insight on hockey and just like Lou and, and Diana and everything. But uh, I mean, Dubrovsky has got to be the edge right now. I mean, I always go back to it's like soccer and like I was a lacrosse guy back in the day, coaching and playing. Right. It's I, I those sports, man. The most important person in the arena is the goalie. And if you have an awesome goalie, I mean, I give Florida the slight. Or, sorry, yeah, I give Florida the slight edge. Just due to Dabrowski, um, really personally, um, Vegas has been awesome. But then, I mean, I mean, looking at looking at the streak that Florida's been on is sensational too. You know, they don't care where they're playing, home or away. They're on a serious winning streak, and they have an absolutely elite goalie. So I have to give them the edge. Uh, I think it could go seven games, but you know, money on the table. I got to go with Florida. Let's uh, let's go let's go over to you, Diane. Uh, Obviously, your Devils were eliminated in the uh, in the second round after after beating the Rangers in round one. Uh, how, how do you see this series going, Diane? Uh, with Panthers and Golden Knights currently knotted up at at one goal apiece after one period, who do you think has the edge? Panthers. You know, I would kind of, I would kind of agree with that. And uh, going back to what Luke or to, to what uh, Alex said, uh, really, the number one thing you have to look at is who has uh, what. What could be a, a key factor is who has the edge in net, because yeah. it's like they say, defense wins championships, and. You know, I, I'm a Bruins fan. I go all the way. I go. I go back to uh, back to 2011 when Tim Thomas basically stood on his head during the during the Stanley Cup final run they had that year, and he yeah. bailed them out of so many games. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, you can have all the offense and uh, and all the defensive players in the world, but it's ultimately the goaltender that is responsible for keeping pucks out of the net. So, so crucial. I got to tell you, you know, it's it's very hard to choose between Bobrovsky and I believe they have Hillsman tonight, I think. Yeah, Hillsman. Yeah, Hill. Yeah. yeah, I think Aiden Hill is in is in that tonight. Who by the way, right. Uh, just a little, just really a little well. tidbit. Just a little tidbit. The Bruins. Uh, you know, I want to talk. I want to talk about uh, about players uh, that the Bruins passed up on. This is another player the Bruins passed up on in the in uh, when in the year that he was drafted. Instead, taking Daniel Vladar, 
the pick right before Aiden Hill. And Vladar is, mm. of course, now a backup goaltender with the Calgary Flames. But, uh, you know, he's, he's still a good goaltender himself. But uh, the fact okay. that the Bruins could have had a goaltender now competing for a Stanley Cup is ugh, just really, really irks me a little bit with the knife in a little bit. Yeah, I understand that. Who are they uh, going to play for? Uh, Aiden Hill, who currently is with Vegas. Let me see. Yeah. Who okay. did he? Who did he get? He got drafted originally by the Arizona Coyotes in 2015. Then okay. he went to. He spent a couple of years in the Arizona, uh, in the in the Arizona um, farm system. He was actually. Uh, a player for the Springfield Falcons for a couple of games, actually, as well. Who are they? Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Of, of the AHL. Okay. They're, they're, they're now... Yeah, yeah. The, uh, basically, the AAA of, uh, the, of, the, of the NHL. Okay. And... You know, it's, it's just it's it's funny because my friend my friend and I uh, who are who are both Springfield or we used to be Springfield fans. We don't really go to the games anymore, but uh, we were discussing former Falcons that are actually in this Stanley Cup series, and Aiden Hill. I literally just found out is one of them. I know wow. Jonathan Marchessault had a uh, had a stint with Springfield, but I completely forgot that Aiden Hill was on Springfield at one point, coming out of his junior career. I love it. I love seeing that man. For every guy that goes like straight to the top, you know, straight to the big league, there's so many guys that grind away that could be 24 or, or uh, 31 or 29 that make it into the league. I mean, I love those stories. I, so, like an Aiden, Aiden Hill story, obviously. Your Boston fan, you don't you don't love it as much, but it's cool to see guys that that mm-hmm. that really plug away and work at it and finally get. And now the, the guy's playing the Stanley Cup. It's remarkable. Yep, uh, he spent let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six years with the Arizona Coyotes organization before going to San Jose for one year, and then he joined Vegas this year. And actually, uh, you know, he, he did have some NHL experience previously compa- before this year. He uh, spent uh, a certain amount of t- a certain amount of games over about four or five years with both Arizona and San Jose uh, before he ended up becoming a Golden Knight this year. So it's not like it's not like this is his rookie season. You know, he's been in the NHL before on different yeah. stints. Like last year he played 25 games for San Jose. Uh, the year before he played 19 games for the Coyotes. The year before that he played 13. He was basically like one of those guys that they would call up uh, if they needed to replace somebody in net. If they need, like if, if a goaltender went down with an injury for a uh, lengthy uh, period of time. Taxi squad up and down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Here he but is. I, cool. you know, I just 
I just thought that was pretty interesting. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice it until now. Uh, but yeah. you know, it also helps too that he has a two-time Stanley Cup winner as his backup goaltender, Jonathan Quick. You know, Jonathan Quick, uh, along with Alex yes. Martinez, who actually won a cup. Uh, Alexander, Alexander Petrangelo won a cup as well with the uh, St. Louis Blues. Uh, they have a couple of cup winners on the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, that know how to win, that know what's expected of uh, of players at this level. That's like the Kraken. And people, some people are saying, oh, that's a, new, that's a new team. They don't know. Well, obviously, they, other players migrated, got signed, got drafted. Uh, or, you know, other players have been in the big dance before. So, an expansion team, you know. They can have plenty of guys who've been been in the, the big spot before. So I mean, Vegas is playing really well. I don't, I don't know. I just I give the slight edge to Florida personally. The seven game series, I think, it's going to be awesome. Good day. Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's going to be a seven game series. I would be very surprised if, uh, because it's not it's not like this is a like for example, it's not like this is a Denver Miami matchup, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not like it's a completely one-sided affair. These two teams are pretty evenly are pretty evenly stacked up. I'd say maybe, if anything, the experience edge maybe goes to Vegas because they have more players who have actually been in a cup situation. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, though, you know, you still do have uh, – you, you, you kind of wonder, you know, does youth trump experience? Because we all know the type of grinder. What's that, Lou? Experience always triumphs over youth. True. But at the same time, though, you know, we do have a situation here where, you know, you you have a grueling run to the cup final. So, you know that there's going to be, you know, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be wear and tear and whatnot. And ultimately, it's basically a battle of, you know, who can outgrind the other. Yes. In this situation. Classic war of attrition. Last man yeah, standing. exactly. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a battle. And you know fatigue. I mean, exactly. Look, we weren't born yesterday. These guys, naturally, I don't care if they're Schwarzenegger. They're going to, these guys have been skating a lot of miles, a lot of games, a lot of nights, a lot of battles. They're, you know, it's grueling. It's grueling. These guys are getting tired. This is the end of the road. Exactly. So the thing, the thing you do have to wonder is, you know, does fresh legs overrule that? Like, if you can, if you can have I, somebody I yeah, out there with, I didn't, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to lay that up. I'm still, you guys are definitely more the hockey aficionados, but as far as, you know, playoffs, uh, basketball, you know, when you have the longer series, right? Football is grueling right. about the once a week. These guys are playing every other day, so God bless them. Yeah. Right, they get on average skate 14, 15, 16 miles a night. They're losing teeth, mm-hmm. and five minutes later, they're back on the ice. So these guys are these guys are battle. These guys are guard and battle tested. Um, so yeah. So when on your point to your point, Steve, that made me think. I mean, 
yeah, depth has got to be very key, especially in the Stanley Cup, because these guys, again, obviously they're playing another 10, 12, 14 days of hockey than the rest of the league, again. So the third line and the fourth line comes into play. You know, the deeper team is going to have a big advantage because a lot of guys are getting very tired. Yeah, and, you know, this is what kind of makes me think that maybe perhaps Florida might have the edge here because they they are technically the younger team. Yeah, yeah, that's true. When it comes to, you know, they may not have as much experience, but they're the younger team when it comes to when it comes to having fresh legs out there on the ice. Uh, yeah. When it comes to, you know, how much longer, how much longer are their players going to be able to stay out there as opposed to, you know, as opposed to Vegas's players, who are getting up there in age. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, Petrangelo is in his 30s. And these, I mean, these games, I mean, right now, if you're, if, if one of us on the show, one of us four were the, behind the bench on one of these teams, I mean, you know what I mean? It's such a battle. You're tempted to yeah. play, like, your top two lines and run them into the, below the ice. Like, you got to go and you got to use four lines at least a little bit. Definitely got to use three lines. You know what I mean? It's tempting to just run your horses until they run ragged. But, yeah, the deeper team – in a long grueling series, oftentimes to win. Well, let's get, let's get your thoughts on the, on this, Lou. Who do you think has the edge in this series between uh, Vegas and Florida? I still say it's the Knights. They've been the best team all year, and you know they have pretty much you know breezed through like most of the competition. So I'd still give it that. I mean, I will give the Panthers credit for what they've done. I mean, you know. Sure. Nobody expected them to get this far at all. I mean, I'm still shocked myself that they even managed to beat, you know, uh, the Bruins, which was a big shock to everybody. But uh, I think they're going to run out of gas here. I mean, you know, they get to show why they've been the top team all year. Great matchup. Yeah. Not for nothing over Fox. Yeah, Dodgers is gone. Ooh, and another thing too is, uh, you know, Paul Maurice. Paul Maurice has been to the finals before. He went there uh, with Carolina back in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, when they lost to Detroit. Oof. Oh, that's but right. they went back. Wow. So, Ooh. yeah, Paul Maurice. Detroit was actually good in those years. Yes, they were. Yeah. yeah. True. Okay. That's right. I wasn't that's honestly. Back, that's, I was, back, that's back when. Uh, that's back when you had like Iserman, Dotsuk, uh When you had when you had all the big names. Mhm. It, it you know, it's true. definitely. It wasn't a huge. Um, you know, it wasn't the, the huge uh, heavyweight primetime names, right, for the two matchups. The, the matchup, but this is a good-looking series. I mean, they're two very evenly matched teams. It's more of a hockey, you know, real hockey fan series, but it's a great series nonetheless, either way. Oh. Yeah. And looking at the – looking, I'm try, trying to look at the uh, playoff scoring leaders here uh, for, this, for this year's playoffs, uh, right now – it looks like in terms of 
Well, no, but I'm talking about those who are those who are remaining right now. Oh, sure, okay, okay. Um, in terms of still top of the ladder. Uh, yeah, actually, believe it or not, he's third in terms of <laughs> overall. In the terms of overall, yeah. Connor McDavid, in 12 games, Connor McDavid had 20 points. That's insane. Wow. Sorry to pull you right off Right now, though, for the current – Yeah, current players. Who's uh, atop the mountain right now? Uh, right now, those who are still Ooh. remaining, uh, Matthew Kachuk is on top with nine goals, 12 assists, 21 points. And let's keep in mind, this is in terms of a – this is in terms of uh, who could potentially win the Conn Smythe Trophy, the playoff MVP. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is on there. Uh, The the next nearest active player is Jack Eichel, 12 assists for 18 points uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh yeah, you know I said this. I said this from the very beginning. As soon as Vegas got Jack got Jack Eichel, I said that Super could talented. be the one piece. That could be the yeah. one piece if he can. If he can uh, now, of course, he was undergoing uh, what's it called? Oh, um, experimental yeah. back surgery. He was undergoing in, experimental yeah, back no. surgery, and I sensational talent. Yeah, yeah if he can recapture that, like he's got. He's got the looks like he's not a McDavid. No one is, but he's an absolutely elite offensive player, and he's he's turning it back on, man. He refound the, refound his health. Thank God. Yeah, and I I had said that if he could, if he could at least be anywhere close to the player he used to be with Buffalo, then they yeah. may have found their, they may have found their missing piece, and. This year, 27 goals, 39 assists for 66 points, uh, 67 games played. Yeah. It's better than the. It's better than a couple of his years with Buffalo. So you know he's not exactly back at that 80 point uh, threshold yet. But no. you know he's starting to show who he was in yeah. his later years with Buffalo. Yeah, there's certainly shades of who Echo used to be, which is great to see. And that was a controversial – it was a risky deal. It wasn't controversial, whatever. It was legal, obviously. Right. But, you know, there was a lot of risk involved. Right. So, yeah, I guess it was a little controversial as far as uh, Vegas pulling the trigger because they had to give up a substantial amount. But, yeah, he's an elite talent. And you're right. It's not – he's not back to where he was. But, I mean, few players are. But right now he's making a huge impact. And also with his goal, with his goal tonight, you can throw Jonathan Audi Marchessault into the uh, Conn Smythe yeah. conversation, as he's now up to 18 points. Wow! Uh, but I, I That's think one good, other person. Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. We got some. Uh, we got. Uh, the, you know, this is the type of talent that you would expect uh, for a Stanley Cup final. You know, yeah, you want you, you know, you want the best players out there on the ice. And I'll you know, I, I I'm gonna be perfectly honest here. Just looking at the two lineups yeah. I would take Vegas's this is so weird. I would take Vegas's lineup, but I would take oh. Florida's goaltender. Makes sense. Yeah. Oftentimes when you look at two teams that are close, you know what I mean? Because – since a goaltending edge is so big, you yeah. know what I mean. So it's 
But yeah, man right. to man on the ice, not between the pipes, it's a different story. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so weird, but uh, and that's a, speaking of goaltending. I think you need to throw Bobrovsky into the Con Smythe candidacy uh, talk. Why not? Because one would argue if it wasn't for Bobrovsky playing the way that he's yeah. played in this playoff, the Florida Panthers do not reach the finals. Yes. No, I'm saying you know, like, why shouldn't I mean they should throw him in. Be you know, like why not throw him in? You know he's. He has, he has, you know, done what he's supposed to do, and I think he's a very worthy candidate for Conn Smythe. Well, I mean, their other goaltender, Alex Lyon, wasn't really doing much uh, in the games that he, he played won. against Boston. So, you know, at this point, at the at the hole that they were finding themselves in, it was like, Okay, you know we we don't want to get we don't we don't want to get eliminated this early to just be like oh we were lucky to make it into the first round, you know let's bring in let's bring in bring in Bobrovsky and hope that the extended time off that he had let let's remember he didn't play for us for a full month because of the huge run that Alex Lyon went on to get them into the playoffs. And now we're seeing how, what good that uh, that month off did for Bobrovsky. Because look at how he's playing. He's putting up absolutely stellar numbers in that. This is a great. This is a great. This is a, it's a great matchup. It really is. You want to yeah. see two evenly matched teams. You can't always have. Uh, you know, you can't have Lemieux and Yager. You can't have. You know. Uh, these are always have a You know, a lot of a lot of fans. Oh, but the Nuggets! Look at how good the Nuggets are. You know what I mean? Different different finals. You're gonna have blue collar matchups. These are two really evenly uh, matched teams. It's a great Stanley Cup. Yeah, and you I know, mean, the, the, you know, because we're not we're not gonna have you know the the Muse and the Yagers anymore. I mean, those days are gone. You're right, Lou. And it's tough because McDavid, like like you guys have always. Absolutely pointed out, and like I'm, I'm getting hit with, you know, the McDavid. McDavid now is not on a team that's good enough. So it's like you're not going to have those teams with. You're not going to have Jordan or uh, Kobe and Shaq, and in hockey you're not going to have, you know, even Messi and Leach or the, the great Devils teams or the Flyers teams, the, the Legion of Dooms. I think I think there's a lot more balance around the NHL right now. What do you guys there's think? I think I think a lot of the best players are spread around a lot more now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very hard to find that super team oh, for, really you know, for, you're gonna, for the you're, NHL. You're not going to see the same team go to, like, three or four finals in five or six years, at least from what I'm no, seeing. You know, the, last, the last half decade, I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, you what, get that. A what a hit. What a hit. That was like a clothesline. I think that's great for hockey. I think that's great for the sport. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not going to see like the uh, Whoa, the, 80s, what a the Islanders Whoa. or the late '80s or the Oilers or even yeah, Pittsburgh. Sure. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. Those days are long gone. I think it's good. I think the parody is good. I know it's sometimes it sounds corny to say that, but you know, no, no, you don't have a lot of teams. That, you're not, you're not, you don't have a lot of teams that are going to be the Kansas City Royals or you know, a total you know right in. Granted, the Royals, you know, won 
somewhat recently, you know, Hosmer and Sal Perez. Maybe not the best comparison, but you get my point. With the salary yeah, cap, the, the of talent, I, I got sick and tired. Sick of, you know, at least growing up, I was very young, but watching Jordan and Pippen every single year. And then, you know, you can go to different sports. I think people overall appreciate when there's more balance. And you, you honestly, the first day of training yeah. camp or the first regular season game when you really don't know who's going to win it makes the season and the playoffs really exciting. All right, to be so, fair, so, though, you are going to get those you are still going to see those spurts of, you know, time time after time where maybe we'll see another Tampa Bay Lightning run uh, sure. like they sure. did where they where they won two cups or maybe another run like the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins where they won two cups and or Tampa, you know, making it making it to what three straight Stanley Cup finals or something like that. They were pretty uh, close to a enthusiasm a little bit there. You're right there. Tampa yeah. was pretty darn close to being pretty dominant. But, again, not as much as, I mean, what, like Lou said, the, the, that Oilers is like a, a plateau. I don't think you'll ever see an NHL team like that. I think I don't even know the no, stats. Oh yeah, no, I don't no, know. In front of me. But when they you know, they were beating teams 6-1 to one in the, the Stanley Cup games, and they were just smoking everyone by far. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not going to see you're, – you're not going to see uh, that a, a team like that ever again. You're not going to see a team that's going to make that's going to make a run for multiple Stanley Cups within a certain within a certain time frame. Uh, and if just anything, the and, 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 yeah, and sorry, just with the Oilers again, like and beating other really good teams by like three or four goals every game. They were just yeah, no. circles around people. Yeah, I mean the closest the closest you got to that was Boston this year. And yeah. Boston, yeah. I mean, they were miles ahead injuries. of everybody. Injuries. And ultimately, I, ultimately, I, injuries and stupid coaching decisions are uh, no. Never mind. Let me let me scratch that. Uh, defense and injuries yeah. are ultimately what led to their downfall this year. It's snowballs. One a couple injuries, then the coach maybe uh, panics a little bit, and then you know when it rains, it starts to pour. So it kind of set in yeah. motion a little bit yeah. about disarray, and they lost the confidence. And then, as you know, as you guys know, when the underdog smells blood and they start winning more and more, they have no fear. And, and you know, Boston was suddenly on the ropes, trembling, and they got knocked out. Yeah, right. By the way, speaking of, uh, we were talking about the Detroit Red Wings earlier. Uh, speaking of Detroit Red Wings, uh, their former coach Mike Babcock. Uh, he is expected to be named the new head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, according good to luck. Aaron Portsline of the Athletic. Uh, yeah, and also Darren, also Darren Drager from TSN has also corroborated this report as well. Uh, yeah, saying he is expected to become the new the new head coach in Columbus, but the holdup in making the move is due to his former deal with the Maple Leafs, which doesn't expire until the end of this month. So technically, technically they can't because, because he's still being owed money by Toronto, even though Toronto uh, released him or they fired him. uh, He is still being owed money by Toronto, but because of that, they can't officially hire him until his contract is officially up, which will be at the end of this month. Interesting. Uh, 
he did he last coached back in 2019-2020 aka the bubble year uh where he right. was let go by Toronto after a sluggish 9-10 and 4 start to their season um but you know he did he did win a Stanley Cup title back in 2008 with the Detroit Red Wings and overall over the over parts of 17 seasons uh, in the league, he is considered to be one of the more decorated coaches in the league right now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, yeah, I, I think that could be a good hire. Well, There's some work to do, but overall, from a coaching perspective, I think it's a solid move. I'll tell you one thing. It's, be- it's better than having, uh, better than, than having uh, John Tortorella as your head coach. I mean, oh, Tortorella, I, I don't know why they thought that was going to work there in Columbus, screaming, considering screaming he like, hates the media. Some Screaming yeah. at some, like, sophomore intern from, like, some blogger from, like, Massachusetts or, like, yeah, some, like, 19-year-old, yeah, yeah, you know, with their first job, and he just, like, screams at her in the locker room. The guy's, like, such a combative, argumentative, aggressive person. Uh, that guy can hit the road. I, I can't stand that guy. He is argumentative. That's a problem. Yeah. And now, you know, yeah, like literally break people. He's a he's a, he's a degenerate. I don't have, like at all. The difference the difference here though is that Babcock does have a history of uh, working with younger talent, and that's what that's what Columbus is full of is young talent. So it is possible, you know, maybe perhaps he can do what what Jim Montgomery did for Boston and what Bruce Cassidy did for Vegas this year is get the younger talent to rise up. And, and, and maybe perhaps you pointed out, yeah. I mean, as you and Lou's done a great job as well, as far as entertaining and, and educating the uh, listeners too, building up to uh, this hire. I mean, Columbus, they have that, that incredible opportunity to add a really good rookie. So you need the right coach. Right. It's almost like Monty Williams, uh, NBA, not to swivel over to NBA, but similar, where taking over a young program. You need a coach that really gets the best out of young players. Right. And actually, let me look. Let me look right now. Where do they have? So Columbus, they have them picking at number three, and it looks like they may get Leo Carlson from the SHL, which I was reading about. That would be actually yeah. that, the, that would actually be the perfect. Okay, what is the SHL? Uh, the no, Swedish Hockey League. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, basically in the SHL, you're playing with you're playing with men as opposed to playing alongside players of your own age. Right. So it might be considered better. Would that be considered better than like a Michigan versus Yale, like a five, like top division oh, one yeah. American hockey? Yeah. 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 So he's ready. Yeah. Oops. Uh, I mean, you know, they, they just got Johnny Gaudreau last off season. They signed Patrick Laine to an extension this season. So adding a player like Leo Carlson, that could be your top line of the future. Oops. 
That could be your one, two, three punch of the future, basically, for uh, for years to come. And ask any – well, hey, I don't know about you guys, but if my team's in the in the gutter a little bit, you want to build through youth. And if you get a coach that can really tap into that young energy, I mean, in two or three years, they could really be a force to be reckoned with. And he's mm-hmm. been referred to, by the way, as a blue-chip prospect. Yeah. Hmm. Got to start What's somewhere. Build through, the build through the draft. Blue chip is almost like a can't miss. It's almost like a, I don't want to say right. a Kobe or a Aaron Judge, but it's considered the top out of all the coaches and scouts in the country that, and in the world that scout the different sports. Blue chip is like five out of five like stars. Almost like a guarantee. Yeah. The best mm-hmm. of the best. Like this is almost, it's the most dangerous word, but potential and the most dangerous uh, phrase, can't, can't miss. Like, this guy cannot miss being a superstar. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Well, yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's like the top like of the, 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 cream, the cream of the crop. Cream of the crop. Yeah, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like a, to give a comparison, uh, back when Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan were, oh. being, uh, were, being, put, were being put out there as, uh, you know, who, who do you, go, who do you uh, choose between, Sagan or Taylor Hall? And a lot of a lot of uh, prospect or a lot a lot of uh, scouts had Tyler Sagan pegged as a blue chip prospect. Wow. Yeah. So Diane, that blue chip is like wow, Vegas gold, boom. Yeah, blue chip is like literally the top. All right. The one that all the scouts, everyone wants that person. That's like the person that's going to be the best draft pick, blue chip. Mm-hmm. Almost like it's a guarantee, like a burn in the hand. Mm-hmm. If you got it, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they can get that, if they can get that to happen, I mean, wow. You know, it, that would he would really be the one-two punch that they're looking for. Uh, out there, or the one, two, three punch, I guess you could say, the uh, the combination that they're looking for out there in uh, in Columbus. Then Columbus hasn't had that hell oh, since the since the Rick Nash era, I think. Which wow, I mean, let's you know, let's be honest, they haven't really been that competitive since since no. uh, Rick Nash left for uh, for the Rangers. That's right. So and yeah. and yeah, you know now now Vegas is up two to one, uh, you know that right that right there, obviously we're you know we're we're gonna see uh, how potentially Florida can can tie this thing because you know one thing one thing you got to say is this game definitely is even though it's a two to one uh, lead right it's now not over. this game is not this game is not over because we've seen Florida no way. No way. come back. We've seen Florida come back from uh, from deficits with with ease in this Stanley Cup playoff so far. Certainly have. But uh, yeah, you know, just one last thing about Babcock. Uh, I feel that with obviously with you know if they're hiring Babcock, he's been in a rebuild process before. He had to go through that with uh, with Detroit, and 
you know, Columbus must really feel like they're on the cusp of potentially breaking out if they've hired somebody like Babcock as their next head coach, because I highly doubt at the age of 60 that he would want to go through a long rebuild again. But yeah, especially the age of 60. You know, I could be, I could never know. I mean, I knew that big pop, pop, Popovich starting over at, uh, Popovich is about 104 years old. Now he's, Got the number one pick with the Spurs. No, now only 102. <laughs> Sorry, Lou. I digress. 102. But, yeah, now Pop is ready to uh, start life over now with the number one pick. But, yeah, 60, I mean, let's look, look at though. I mean, thank God with health and everything, we want to, we want to all live long lives. So, I think it's pretty cool lately. The last 10 or 12 years have been a lot of coaches stick around a lot longer. I think Larry Brown kind of started that one. But there have been some old, uh, really old NHL coaches, too which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, 60 is not that old. That's Maybe that's the point I was trying to get at. That's not, you know. Older than I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd go 65, 70 is, yeah, that's, you know, it's time to hit the beach somewhere in Florida. But now you see more and more coaches sticking around. Buck Showalter, you know, Big Papa. There's there's coaches in every right, sport. Right, right, right. Uh, some other coaching, so, some other coaching changes. Uh, the Nashville Predators—they have fired head coach John Hines with a year left remaining on his deal, and they have now hired yep. former Florida Panthers interim head coach and current assistant of the New Jersey Devils, uh, Andrew Brunette. Brunette. Uh, Brunette. Uh, you know, Brunette had basically switched over uh, to the coaching aspect of hockey after he retired back in 2012 as a player. Uh, He eventually served numerous roles in Minnesota before he joined the Panthers as an assistant coach. Uh, He was named the interim head coach after Joel Quenville had to resign uh, in response to the sexual assault allegations against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, which Joel Quenville was a part of at that point. Uh, however, uh, Florida, instead of keeping him down the stretch, uh, which gave him a president's trophy, he, w- he was the manager of that president's trophy winning team. Uh, and also he was nominated for the Jack Adams Award. But instead, Florida decided to go with their current coach, Paul Maurice, uh, as their new head coach. Uh, Brunette, though, did find a home this year on the New Jersey Devils bench uh, running the team's power play, which ranked 13th in the league during the regular season. Uh, He now inherits a Nashville roster that still boasts a mix of star power and a healthy number of young players on the rise. Uh, As far as star power, he's got players like Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, UC Saros, to uh, to play yeah. with out there. However, though, you know, one would say that Nashville is in kind of a little bit of a semi-rebuild maybe. Maybe they're on the yeah. cusp of being a full-on rebuild. Uh, Dangerous. I don't know. If, For any, they got to they gotta choose one or the other. We all know. It's yeah. slippery slope. You either got to be rebuilding or not, or else you're going to be stuck at the, uh, what, eighth or ninth or tenth seed for the next five years. Yeah. Well, because the th- the thing is, they're stocking up on draft picks. They're stocking up on on I draft think, picks. Just, uh, I think you you're kind of hinting at the answer then. Stocking, then I would think 
they're quietly rebuilding. They're just not going to announce it. Maybe, they, but I mean, yeah, they're stocking draft picks. They're, they're rebuilding. Yeah, I think. they're stocking up on they're they're stocking up on draft picks. But the thing is, they don't suck bad enough to be you also, know like also from a, uh, to from be a like in the standpoint. top three. Also, from, Steve, so just to add your point, also think about it from a PR standpoint. Now, with social media all yeah. over the place. Gone are the days where they, oh, we're rebuilding now. Look at us. We, we're in a suck. And then the, the, the stadium's empty. So they're quietly doing it behind right. the scenes. But, it, yeah, it seems like quietly they're rebuilding. Yeah. That's what it kind of seems like. And as far as John Hines goes, uh, John Hines, it looks like he could be a contender for the New York Rangers head coaching job uh, with the Rangers letting go of Gerard Gallant this offseason. So <laughs> Hines they may not find himself on the outside too long. The revolving door in uh, in Madison Square Garden. What a joke! Yeah, eighty-five uh, right. big name forwards. Not really any defense. And yeah, and yeah. Seriously, I mean, how many coaches have they had since the uh, the magical run? It's been way too many. Yeah. I'm almost. It's almost. It was a sobering. It was really. It was almost a, like a deserved smack in the face. I'm glad. I'm almost glad the Devils, because they keep doing the wrong thing. You can't build through high price free agents. I mean, look at uh, the, the the look at Patrick Kane. Now is that six to eight months? Uh, just stupid yeah. stuff like that. Sorry, uh, you know, start, sorry to dive right into the Rangers there, but you know, you have to be better. No, than you, you can't keep changing coaches. That doesn't work in any sport. No, yes, right. Yeah, you do bring up you do bring up a good point though, because uh, we were talking about about rebuilding, and you can't really build a team with just free agent signings. I mean, yeah, you can, but wow. where is it going to get you? Because, I mean, take a look at – go over go over to uh, to the NBA and you take a look at the, uh, at the Golden State Warriors. Did they build through through uh, free agent signings? No, they built Clay, through the draft. Draymond, Steph, Clay, yeah. Draymond, the big three. And I would get I uh, bet a pretty doll right now. Oh, Iggy back in the day, Iggy Dalla. Yeah, eighty five, ninety percent of their best players, eighty percent of their rosters normally winning those rings, homegrown talent. Right. I mean, they did get Iguodala through a trade, though. Oh, you're but, right. You're right. You're, you're right. Yeah, they did get Iguodala through a I, trade, but, but I, most of their players I, were homegrown. It's like Gary Payton Jr. Yeah. Second round pick. Uh, Kevin Looney, love him or hate him, kind of like a C-plus player, but a role player. And then, obviously, the big three. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't – you know, the history doesn't lie. Facts don't lie. Yeah. A lot of the best dynasties, at least, uh, grow from within. They grow organically. They build through the drafts. Right. I mean, they do have a pretty good player coming up in Joaquin Kemmel. Uh, he obviously is not ready yet for the majors, but – uh, he probably will be soon enough out there in Nashville. So, you know, they do have some intriguing oh. talents coming up the pipeline, but, the pro- you know, just the problem is they're not NBA ready as or uh, NHL ready as of yet. Yes. But uh, if you look at it, are they trying to win a cup right. uh, in the next 12 months? Probably not. So. I don't. We all see how that goes. Okay. Don't don't rush someone if they're not ready. Give them another year. I mean, that fits their timeline perfectly. And then you know he'll be even better after another year of uh, kind of growing on the minor league level. 
Right. Now go now going over to the uh going over to the Washington Capitals and sort of sticking a little bit on the uh the whole coaching sort of aspect here. Uh the Washington Capitals they have named Spencer Carberry as their new head coach and in particular the th- the thing that's sort of odd about this one is that Let's keep in mind, he is a first-time head coach. And he has been signed to a a four-year – he's been signed (laughs) to a four-year contract. Yeah, I guess Steve Steve Nash is still a thing, right? Uh, Kind of throw it out there. You don't see that. I've never had your coaches. (laughs) That's ridiculous. That's absolutely a terrible contract. I want to know yes. more details, but right away I can already kind of smell that it doesn't smell good. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess it kind of makes sense that you know uh, they already have big enough players to where uh, you know they can sort of mask the fact that the head coach is a rookie. Uh, Steve, Nash. I mean, when you when you have players. No, but I'm, t- I'm look, well, kind that, of like look, Steve oh, Nash. Oh, yeah, let's have a big brother. Let's let's have a former player co- or a guy who's never been a head coach. That doesn't work, Steve. I mean, I'll be surprised if it works. You need to get the experience before you become a head coach. Yes. Well, to be fair, to be fair, though, he was an assistant coach for a couple of years under Sheldon Keith in Toronto okay. with the Toronto Maple Leafs. That. That, that, that's huge. That's a lot different. I, I don't even think Steve Nash coached in uh, NBA 2K. So, yeah, there's a definite difference, difference there. I digress a little bit there. Yeah, but still, though, uh, that that's still a pretty hefty contract, even though even though it's a, uh, you know, even though he may have had assistant coaching win. experience. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this is a pretty hefty deal to give to a first-time head coach. That's a big, yeah, I mean, four years. And now, again, why, is it to for the uh, people investing in your team, the owners are doing that? I mean, why give him four years? He doesn't deserve it. So, like, what is that? <laughs> hey, you want to prove that you're worthy to run my team? Here's a one-year deal or a two-year deal. Four years is a little bit weird. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? That's kind of a long-term deal for someone who hasn't proven it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And another thing, another thing too is you want to talk about a rebuild. Washington may soon be heading on a rebuild. Uh huh. They may soon be heading towards a rebuild. When you take it, when you take a look at the at the uh, the state of their team, you know they ended up giving away Dmitry Orlov to the Boston Bruins at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, they were basically – they didn't make the playoffs. They were selling off pieces at the deadline. And Ovechkin's not getting any younger. Backstrom's not getting any younger. Nope. So yeah, they could be uh, – this could be this could be the start of a rebuild, or it could be maybe Washington mm-hmm. feels like they have uh, – you know, like they have a better opportunity, like a chance at one more run. But I would think if they felt they yeah. had a chance at one more run, they would have hired somebody like Bruce Boudreau 
who has, you know, who has all the uh, sure. qualifications the of a veteran of a veteran NHL coach. Yeah, Boudreaux is more of the pedigree, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's a dynamic there, right? Because Ovechkin's not getting any younger. Maybe they think this guy's the next really hot young coach. Yeah, we, maybe they didn't want to miss. That. Maybe they didn't want to miss out on him and still try to win one more with with uh, Ovechkin. I mean, look at Imadoka over there in the NBA. Not to keep cross cross sporting it, but you know, at certain points, if they fall in love with the coach that they want to give the job to, Ovechkin doesn't have to get in the way. They have to make them work right. together. So, because Ovechkin's not to be around forever, maybe this guy's the future. Maybe they can make both happen at the same time. Possibly. It's a risky now, move. Uh, it's a risky just... like, like you said, they could have gone with a more prestigious name who's been in the trenches more. But maybe, maybe this guy is a popular amongst uh, you know some of their players too. So you know, there's there could be some stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about. I mean, he could be. You know, there there is a reason that uh, the position that he held. Uh, well, wait, he was an assistant. I don't think he was the associate coach. The associate but coach still, handles the power play. Hey, it's behind the bench, man, on an NHL team. That's that's pretty damn incredible. Yeah. Either way, he slices it. So he's he's been in the trenches before. Right. Uh, let's see some other uh, two other tidbits before we move over to uh, the NBA here. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins they have named former Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Kyle Dubas as their president of hockey operations. And boy, yeah. did uh, as if nobody saw this one coming. Uh, I knew this as, as soon as uh, as soon as John Henry fired his general manager in Pittsburgh, I knew immediately Kyle Dubas was at the top of his list. Especially with the rumors going around that Toronto might get rid of Dubas. I knew it immediately as soon as Henry fired Hextall. Lou, you know that that's the one, this is the one guy he's going after. Lou, what do you think of that move, Lou? Anything you can fire Hextall is okay with me. (laughs) Ronnie, be good. <laughs> and not just that, not just that, not just that, they, they also got rid of Brian Burke, too. Yeah. So they, they also got shit. rid of Brian Burke as well. So uh, he's. Yeah. So basically, Dubas now faces the. Uh, impossible task of deciding how to get the Penguins out of their mm-hmm. aging, mediocre state, which may include, and I, I can't mm-hmm. believe you know that this would even be a thought, but move this up, could up. this could include getting rid of Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Well, well are, they gonna gonna win, are they going to win it? Are they going to win next year with either one? I would. I would maybe move. If you're going to move move one though, you got to move both. Am I wrong? That's what I'm saying. Because if you're gonna rebuild, you, you, you can't you can't half you can't half ass uh, a rebuild. If you're gonna pull the plug, you gotta pull the yeah, plug. Yeah, but this would almost be like uh, this would be almost like the Patriots with, with Crosby. This would be like the Patriots trading away Tom Brady when he had years left on his deal. Now, granted, the Patriots didn't trade Tom Brady. Tom Brady left on his own accord. 
I would not. But do this it. would be I, what the equivalent would, would be. I would never. I would, personally, I would never break up uh, Malkin and uh, Crosby. Ride that until the wheels fall off. Right. Because because you you right. might spend three or four. God forbid, if you have three or four number one picks, you're getting fired before you even make those selections. But uh, right. you would be damn well lucky as hell if you hit on one or two of those. That became close to the player either one of those are. You know what I'm saying? No draft pick is right. going to be as good as them. Maybe in the next ten years. So like, I keep them until the, the skates until the skates go rusty. I would keep them on my team. That's just my team. yeah. They're I, generational generational the, talent. Exactly. Yeah, generational, generational talent. talent. You, uh, you you let them, them like decide. You let you let you let them decide whenever the, when they exactly. want to move on. And they're not they're not rocking the boat like um, LeBron did a couple times. Or there's been hockey players too. But you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. You cannot move on from those guys because you're not probably not going to go back to the well and get the water as good as that. Look, no matter how many right. picks you have, good luck finding another Sidney Crosby. Might take another half a century. So keep him mm-hmm. until he wants to leave. Right. And also on the other side, uh, going to okay. Kyle Dubas's former team. The Toronto Maple Leafs, oh, my God, did they take a gigantic back step, in my opinion, here. Yeah. Uh, getting rid of Kyle Dubas only to bring in Brad Treliving, the former general manager of the Calgary Flames. And, my God, if you want, if you want a guy who doesn't know how to construct a team, you bring in, you bring in Treliving. He's your guy. Okay. You got a number. He's and – and not just that, let's let's keep in mind, you have two of your best players who are pissed off that you got rid of Dubas to begin with in Matthews and Nylander. You have big-name free agents like Ryan O'Reilly uh, hitting the market. Uh, there's also... The, there's also the talk of whether or not Sheldon Keith will return as uh, as head coach or not, considering that he was a Kyle right. Dubas guy. I mean, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they're another team that may potentially be in flux this offseason. Well, Steve, as you said, you and Lou were, were hitting that on the, on the right now stop. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Toronto, ridiculous. They were shuffling the deck after what I, what we, you, Lou and I, and, and Diana thought was a really great year. So, I mean, why are they now suddenly uh, hitting the reset button? That makes no yeah. sense. Uh, you know, in Toronto, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, this is a guy – who watched last offseason, uh, watched 200-point players walk out the door of the Calgary Flames when Johnny Gaudreau left in free agency for Columbus and Matthew Tachuk forced a trade to Florida where, uh, I mean, you know, many, pra- many praised him for landing Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weger as part of the deal. But, oh, what a Huge goal by Anthony Duclair. Florida's right back in this. Uh, you know, the problem here is Calgary took a noticeable couple here. of steps back. Yeah, of course. I was just going to say for fun, I got a five-team parlay. I hit the Yankees and a couple other games today. Uh, we're rooting for the Braves right now. Big time. <laughs> Wow, there is no five hole in uh, on Aiden Hill. Holy no, hell! No, he closed it up. He that, closed the bank up. Uh, he closed the, the doors early. 
No, he closed it way too late, actually. Oh, actually, yeah. No, you're right. That was yeah. a terrible announcement. I tried, he closed, tried to it, he closed it way too late. I said it the wrong way. I mean, way. my I God. All right, he he basically he should have just walked over to the side of the net and just let him and just let him put it uh, put it right <laughs> in. And, and wave the blocker. That's like, how wide open he in. was. Come on in. Come on in. Come on, guys. Everyone's welcome. Come on yeah. in the net. <laughs> oh, let me up. There we go. But yeah, with this Chaliving, with this Chaliving guy, uh, many praised him for landing Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger from Florida as part of the deal that sent Kachuk over to Florida. Uh, but Calgary, uh, even though they got rid of good, they got rid of Goudreau, they let him walk in free agency, and they traded Kachuk, and they land Huberdeau and Weger. But Calgary took massive, massive steps back in terms of competitiveness this year, and that's what, what a led to Joe Living yeah. being fired. Yeah, proud franchise. Yeah, it happens. Hold on, the wrong people to too long. This is what happens. And now there's the possibility that he may be on he may be on the side, uh, you know he may he may be on the verge of another massive potential trade this off season this time with Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a Toronto fan, you better damn Ridiculous. well hope that you're on the right side of the deal this time. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this could be a very this could be a very messy off season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, yeah. the, you could say that the future of this franchise hinges on this off season. Of course. And it's been a pivotal off season. As I was pointing out a couple of weeks ago with you guys, um, they, I thought they had a, histor- a really not a historic run. Let's not totally inflate the thing, but they had a damn good season. They oh, overachieved. Oh, they, they did. They overshot their, they over, uh, overshot their mark, their expectations. And now you're going to start tinkering and maybe blowing it up. Absolutely ridiculous uh, front office moves right, right. now. Now, heading over to the NBA, uh, talking about coaching hirings, the Detroit Pistons, they have agreed with Monty Williams to a $72 million contract over six Ah. years with incentives. With incentives, it could be worth as much as $100 million over eight years. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, when you're the Pistons, you overpay. That's right. No, I'm sorry. That's the no, just wanted to just wanted to say that for when when Lou said okay. I mean, I, yeah, I wasn't it's a little bit out, how much it's outlandish. It's outlandish. Well, it's crazy that they give him that much, but yeah. he, I think he's the perfect fit for that young core. They got a really good young core, and they have a high pick in the draft. They could be. I know the Magic. I always toot their horn nonstop. It's probably annoying, but. They're on their way, so the Magic will be in the playoffs next year. Detroit's kind of on that timeline, about two years removed. So Detroit's like two years right. being a bubble, like a playoff team. And Monty Williams is a great players uh, players coach. I was not aware at the time I wrote this that uh, the amount was not disclosed, but that must have just came through then. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, yeah that's, it that's, came through a couple of uh, – it came through a couple of days ago, I think, uh, actually. But it, this is according well, I mean, the to deal, the Athletic. Yeah, I mean the deal went through, but I wasn't sure about how much. How much was that was not given by I was I was doing the show. Oh, I hear you, Lou. Right. I hear you. No, I, I and I. Okay. 
overall, it's a lot of money too. But yeah, no, that's I know that's why you're reacting oh, yeah. that way. I totally agree with you. Overall, I mean, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a stretch. Hey, you know, no one's no one's exactly you know moving from South Beach. Uh, Spolster's not leaving. Uh, name a couple other top coaches. Are they looking at Detroit? So like you you get a well, you get a guy who's suddenly you get a guy who's suddenly unemployed. I mean, Nick Nurse went to go with uh, Joel Embiid. Philadelphia's a pretty nice well. Not the nice city, but there's a big, bigger market. You know what I mean? No one's really rushing to Detroit. So they had to overpay, and overpay they did. I, yeah, I, they I think did. it's a good move. They, they had to do it, and they paid a pretty penny. That cost you. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, honestly, it's just astounding. Uh, I mean, I understand, you know, Williams' is, uh, you know, Williams' is track record. But at the yeah, same time... You know, you take a you take a look at this uh, you take a look at the team that he's inheriting, and the one thing that sticks out to me is okay. He must be willing to, you know, he he must have agreed to some sort of growing pains a little bit with the yeah. uh, with the team. Like, okay, you know, I I will stick through I I, I will stick through the growing pains of having to. Uh, you know, maybe deal with a couple of uh, a couple of setbacks, having to deal with a couple of players. Like maybe they don't progress well. Uh, you know, I'll well, be willing is, to to deal with that and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. I think it's interesting to me, Steve and Lou and and Diane. And now looking, yeah. I'm looking at the depth chart right now, right? So players, coach. I know that it kind of beat that annoying drum a little bit with Lou earlier in his really good show this afternoon, but uh-huh. they, you, you you will be hard-pressed at least, I'm not going to say the best young group of talent, but the I think the, the the biggest group of high draft picks in the last three or four years by far is Detroit, along with Orlando. So they have Killian Hayes, Australian guard. He was three years ago. He was a lottery pick. He, the jury's out. But, but then you have Jaden Ivey, who was awesome at Purdue. He had a really good rookie year. And then I mentioned on Lucio earlier, uh, Cade Cunningham is really awesome. He's a former number one overall pick. He, he missed almost yeah. the whole year. Then they have guys like uh, Jalen Duran from Memphis College, who's really good, center. They have guys like James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley. So now you have reclamation. They have, he has projects that he can work with. James Wiseman, former you know, top pick. Marvin Bagley from Duke. Yeah. I mean, they have a lot of young guys. It's it's very intriguing. It can easily flame out and not go anywhere. But if they're going to really get some momentum and become uh, get these guys balling and and being a you know at least a five hundred team as soon as this year, I think Monty Williams is the guy to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw we saw what he did in Phoenix. We saw the type of team that he inherited in Phoenix when he first came in. And he turned them from being a absolute dumpster fire with all the talent that they had into perennial contenders. And ultimately, you know, he became the scapegoat of the team because they weren't able to get past, uh, you know, after their NBA finals appearance, these last two seasons, they haven't been able to get past the conference semifinals. Right, because yeah, Aiton was wearing uh, high heels in the paint. Not not his fault. I mean, get that guy out of town. Yeah, no, Monty Williams got totally scapegoated. 
Not 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 money Williams' fault at all. I, I think he's he might be happier to be in Detroit now, and he's getting paid a lot better too. Less yeah. pressure out there too. I've, Less pressure out there too. He doesn't have to get. He doesn't have to worry about Durant or uh, CP is a little questionable. Booker seems like a great guy, but you know what I mean. Like uh, Durant, he's probably walking around eggshells. Like Durant, like controls that team. You know, Monty Williams is like a servant around his own player. It's got to be really annoying sometimes to coach these guys like James Harden or Durant. I think. I mean, now he gets a fresh start and a lot more money too. I mean, not a bad gig for Monty Williams. Now he can kind of start over. No, and you know, I mean, he's been he's been the coach of a team like this before. Uh, I think we all remember the New Orleans Hornets before they became the Pelicans. Uh, you know how bad the Hornets were back uh, back in New Orleans, and you know he's been he's been at this at this type of level before. So I, I think the thing is he couldn't pass up the money. You know they offered him that big of a deal to where, you know, they're, they're willing to pay whatever it took to, ta- to, to get him on board. Cause yeah. you know, they could have gone after Doc you gotta Rivers. Overpay. You got to overpay, man. If you yeah. want to do it, it's not, it's not the fans money. Who cares? I mean, think about all this money that's thrown around at the, the pro level. Hey, let him overpay. He might be the guy to really you right. know turn him around. So good luck to him. I mean, they could have, they could have gone after Doc Rivers. They could have gone after Nick Nurse. There's a few people they could have gone after. But instead, they decided to put all this money into Monty Williams. So they must Monty's really. Yeah. I think Monty's more accustomed to like kind of that, like you were saying with uh, him rebuilding another team previously. I think he's more accustomed and more comfortable and more confident building a younger team. Nick Nurse was kind of on the fast track of, you know, kind of that high level, which I think Monty is, but Nick Nick was probably like, uh, I'd like to go to Philly yeah. or Milwaukee. Monty Williams, I think, was more attitude-wise. Um, emotionally, was probably more open to the idea of going into a real rebuilding plan. So I think it's a great fit in Detroit for uh, Monty. What are your What are your thoughts, Lou, with uh, with Monty Williams signing with uh, with Detroit? Good luck with that, dumpster fire. But he have not done anything, you know, in a long time. It's it's been a long time since Detroit's been anything, you know, anything of any decency. So, listen, like five of their best young, they have like five of the best young draft picks in a row. <laughs> really yeah. good young lineup, but we'll see. Yeah, but good draft picks don't don't get you a championship. Mostly, you know, we've seen teams with draft picks, but they haven't really done much. I mean, it, you know, it is something to think. It is, it's some, it is something to think about, though. It's not like yes. a total. It's not a total like lost cause. I, there's, there's, it's going to take a lot of work, but I think he's the right guy to maybe get their potential going. So I think it's well, great for Detroit. Well, don't right away. They're, they're overpaying him to, to, because he's going to deal with a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. Yeah. Well, yeah. It is. It is something to definitely. Keep it, to, it is something yeah. to keep an eye on moving forward, you know, in terms of uh, whether or not Monty can do if, – if he can uh, – another thing to keep in mind is, you know, will they be able to stay healthy? Yeah, that's, that's true. Because, I, I, didn't mean to, uh, I didn't mean to say pressure 
or stress, really. I think he's 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 dealing with a big, you know, a big uh, assignment. But you know, he's not co- he's not trying to coach the Celtics right now. That's more that's more pressure to me. Detroit's almost like a step back. He can kind of reset and like rebuild. That's what I meant to say. Right. Yeah. He doesn't have to. Uh, he doesn't have to walk on eggshells. Basically. He doesn't have to win it all. Is what you're you saying. Know, drop. Drop right. a perfect play for uh, Kevin Durant, who you know, if you piss him off, he's going to demand a trade uh, next minute. That's pressure. Coaching a guy like that, where you're not really a coach, you're like Kevin's little brother. I mean, I I'd rather coach a team like Detroit. So that, maybe that's why Monty did that, and they definitely helped his bank account too. So I, I'm going to be, I'm going to definitely, I want to see how they do. And they have a lot of young picks. So we'll see. Maybe maybe they go like eighth seed, and they're all like 21 years old. So. They're going to keep getting a little bit better each year, hopefully. And I think the long-term deal makes sense, too, because they're on a trajectory, right? They're not looking to win it all next year. So I think overall it makes sense. Right. He's really good with younger players. So it's, that's probably the best possible coach they could have gotten. It's great for Detroit. I Hopefully it's good for Monty, too. Now let's go, let's go over to uh, – because we brought up Nick Nurse uh, earlier. Let's talk about Nick Nurse to Philly. Now, you, you want to talk about a yeah. guy who can get the best out of his players. We saw what Nick Nurse, Nurse was able Nurse. to do with Toronto. And I said that, you know, I, I said this uh, honestly from the beginning of, uh, from the beginning of uh, once the offseason officially started, once the playoffs officially started, if there's one guy out there on the, on the coaching market that you want to bring in, that you think can 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 take the next step for your team, that's Nick Nurse. I mean, apart from – he's probably considered to be one of the best defensive-minded coaches in the league today. Now, yeah, obviously – Yeah. I mean, things fell apart, obviously, later on, you know, at the end of his Toronto deal. But – I mean, there's no, there's no denying what he brought to that, uh, to that Raptors team. You know, many would argue that if it wasn't for bringing in Nick Nurse, uh, I mean, obviously they had Kawhi that that year, but many would argue that you may not be, you you may not have been looking at a uh, at a Toronto Raptors uh, NBA title run that year. No. And I still I still believe too that he was unjustly fired from from Toronto. I think he shouldn't, you know, there's no reason why he should have been let go in the first place. For some reason they decided they decided to let go of him. Train shot uh you know, roster configuration there. Uh, then Fleece also leaving. Siakam might leave even last year of his deal. Then you have the uh, reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, who did, definitely had a sophomore slump. Yeah. They had injuries. Gary Trent Jr. Uh, then, like Steve, like you pointed out previously, I mean, yeah, they got Potal. Great. You know, when they were already in the kind of in the gutter, you know, they got him for like 15 games. So, yeah, that was a really weird – not not an optimal, not a not a really good year in uh, Toronto, health wise, roster wise, and you know how it goes. Someone's got to go. 
It was the head coach. Nick Nurse is a great coach. Right. So uh, I I don't think Nick Nurse wants Harden personally. Not to not to you know kind of well yeah kind of go into what Philly's going to be about. No, Nick Nurse doesn't even want that around him. He's going to build around Embiid. Um, draft wise, they have I think they have a you know kind of a regular early some or late uh, late round draft pick. Uh, yeah. They're going to free up money without Harden, and people like Philly and now they have and they've you know decided Jokic. They have maybe the second best player in the world, and they have a great coach. So they're probably going to attract. They're going to rebuild with uh, Nurse, but they're you know rebuild on the fly. And I'll say, I'll say this: I believe that they're in a better spot right now, of course, than, than they were a week ago. Than than with Doc. I mean, obviously, of course, you know, hundred percent. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying Doc sucks right now. I'm not saying that at all. Doc is still a very a very great head coach. Uh, oh, okay. The thing is, it, you know, it just it, it's just clear that the team wasn't really responding well with Doc. And that, you know, this is one of those cases where it's clear that a coaching change is needed. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, that's I mean, ultimately well, what, we're, what we ended up seeing here. Yeah, not only from uh, in Toronto and in uh, Philadelphia. I mean, kind of wash your hands, kind of start a new day tomorrow. They both had to move on because if you're not winning it the way you are, you got to change. That's it. Right. Uh, now, as it as it pertains to Philly, though, I don't want Harden I, I back. From a Philly, from a Philly think, fan, I don't want I, Harden back. Yeah, I don't think Harden's coming back. I think he's I been dead he's set on returning to Houston. Because let's not well, forget, I mean, he played in Team USA. Let's not forget, he played yeah. for part of he played for Team USA, who Ime Udoka was an assistant coach for. Oh, there you go. I think you're trying to yeah. tell me, uh, you know, how great, great he was. Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, that's great. You know, two no. Yeah. When he's not, uh, you know, hungover or, or high, yeah, he's played pretty yeah, effective pretty yeah. he's, he's got so much potential, which is so frustrating. I, I, I Whatever. I mean, I imagine coaching that guy. He can just get you fired the next day when he's lazy and doesn't want to play like he cares. And his team loses. Embiid, I'm, I'll tell you one person who's not going to send him any uh, postcards is Embiid. <laughs> they were never tight. Embiid's like, I went from Ben Simmons to this guy. Get them all out of here. Give me guys who want to play hard every night. That's what Embiid deserves, and that's what he wants. Yeah. I mean, Harden, give me a break. Go to Houston, you know, win 30 games a year, and go to the strip, strip clubs every night. Games you're happy, hit the road. I think he's at the point of his career. Where he's yeah, probably yeah. figuring, where he's probably figuring at this point, I've had so many opportunities to win a ring. You know, I've been on so many yeah. teams that have been constructed. Oh, Harden. You know that have been constructed to get that have been constructed to potentially win a ring. If I couldn't win a ring with those teams, how the hell am I going to win a ring now? So I guess you're talking about Harden, Harden, right? You're talking about Harden, Harden yeah. Well, I mean, Steve, let's be honest, though. He's not given this full effort. He's been very – he's no. definitely come up short. He's not played defensively. He is lagged around. He's sulked. He's gotten people fired. Hello, Brooklyn. I mean, come on. How many yeah. chances do you want to give this guy? He's like a, a fat version of uh, Kyrie Irving. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't want anyone okay. either one of them near my building. Like man, who am I to say that? But you know what I'm saying? Like they're not championship players. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, Kyrie got one with LeBron. Good luck. And now he's gonna go back to LA, hopefully. Well, maybe, but I mean Harden just I, and I, I I would think I, I would trust right now if I had to bet and, and Bede does not want Harden back. Even if he wanted to come back, I don't think Embiid wants him back. I think Nick Nurse in the front office is going to build a couple guys. I mean, Maxie's got to step up. You made a great couple points um, a couple weeks ago on your show. Guys like Maxie, Melton, I don't know if they're going to be, like, the next guy, you know. Stockton, Malone, you know, you, you need that great point guard with the big man. Um, I don't know if they're it, but someone else has got to be the, the, the number two for Embiid. Embiid deserves better than what Harden – Gave Embiid. You know, I do the think the deserve better. I do think Nick Nurse could unlock Maxi. Yeah, and, and, I do and, think and, he and could he unlock him. And, and Harden, I don't think I don't think Pat Riley can unlock Harden. I don't think there's anything in his treasure trove. I mean, he's got nothing uh, emotionally. He's not a he's not a no. champion. Maxi's a hungry no. young guy. Good call. Nick Nurse could tap. Nick Nurse would much rather coach Maxi than he would Harden. Yeah. Good call. Right. Um, let's see. One one of the other coaching changes as well. This one was a bit of a surprise for me. Uh, the Bucks have come to an agreement with Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin. Yeah. Wow. Now this uh, this will be his second time with the Bucks franchise as he began as a he began his coaching career as an assistant with the team between the 2008 and 2010 seasons. Uh, but since then he is he has uh, jumped around to Chicago, Orlando, Oklahoma City, and Toronto, uh, spending the previous five seasons with Toronto. Um, but. Before his coaching career, he had played nine seasons in the NBA for five different teams. But, you know, this is just kind of mind-boggling to me because I can't believe they went with Adrian Griffin over other experienced coaches on the market. My only explanation would be, Steve, that there's something behind the scenes, a.k.a. one of the key players. Maybe they yeah. have a really good uh, rapport relationship. You know what I mean? They, they didn't, uh, you know, pick his name out of a hat. They didn't go to go to Indeed.com no. and go, oh, this guy's resume is good. That's, there's obviously something going on behind the scenes where they really had a great uh, feeling that and a great positive energy about this guy. So maybe maybe he's the next, you know, best thing since sliced bread. There's got to be something to it. You know what I mean? It does. It, it, things happen. Yeah, I reason. mean, my. Because they're a good uh, team. They're, smart. They're, 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 they're a smart franchise. That's what I'm saying. They don't just randomly pick random guys. Yeah, my my, understand, my understanding is uh, the front runner was Nick Nurse, but then Nick Nurse right. pulled out of the uh, talks. He pulled out of the out of the running, which then made them go over to Griffin. That Vogel would be good there too, but I'm glad Vogel got a job. I've always really liked him. You had, you had a good. Uh, Inside of him too on Lucio earlier too. Vogel's right, yeah, Vogel, Vogel going over to Phoenix, and he's another like, just like Monty Williams. He's another fall guy, basically. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he's good. At, he's good at taking the knife in the back. I'm telling you, don't uh, if you want to be a good coach, don't uh, don't stick around the divas. <laughs> Look at Denver. I don't see any divas. They're about to get a ring. 
Yep. That's the new age. Hopefully, you're not going to, you know, this isn't 2K. You can't go, oh, you know what, let's go meet in South Beach next month. Sorry, LeBron, there's no yeah, boss and well, You know, we've got to get back to the real teams right now. Though. Denver didn't pull any BS moves, and I think Denver's far and away the favorite now. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to see, are. like, you know, meet me in South Beach next year. We're, make the decision. Like, the, the LeBron and AD move was weird enough. And then they added all the free agents. Thank God they got knocked out. But, you know, got to keep the game as pure as you can. Or else, who's to say uh, hockey doesn't turn out that way? Or baseball? Like, where everyone just joins the same team. I think that's that was a really bad look for the NBA overall. And I think it's getting yeah. back. I mean, Denver's well, kind of a refresh, uh, a fresh breath of air. Well, to be fair, in hockey, there's a much tighter salary cap. So there's yeah. no way okay. that that can yeah. happen right. in You're hockey. Right. There's no way that can You're happen right. in hockey unless unless players unless players did what LeBron, uh, Bosch, and Wade did, uh, where they met beforehand, and maybe they decide, okay, we're going to take pay cuts. You know, say uh, I'll give an example. Uh, say Patrice Bergeron uh, comes back to Boston for one more year, and he brings in. Hang on, let me let me look at the at the free agent list for this year. Uh, let's say he brings, or he's real good friends with, say, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Pace, just for example. And the problem is Boston can't afford to have all three of them. So. What the, what what a team in the NHL would have to do is they would have to they you know players would have to agree to lesser deals with maybe perhaps bonus incentives. Uh, the bonus incentives uh, if they if they would cause them to go over the the salary cap, the bonus incentives would just count for next season, which is what it's doing to Boston this year, which is why. Uh, Boston can't afford to sign uh, a lot of free agents this year. Yeah, Uh-oh. that's how you can do it in hockey. But in basketball, it's a lot. It's a lot simpler because in basketball, you know, they have different uh, levels that you can sign at. You know, there's the mid uh, yeah. the, the mid level exception. There's the taxpayer <laughs> yeah, exception. You know, there's different yeah. there's different levels of a contract that NBA players can sign. So it's much easier for NBA super teams to be formed as opposed to NHL super teams. Yeah, and it's it's a quite frankly it's a black it's almost a black eye on on pro sports. So I'm glad it's harder, and I'm glad and I'm really hopeful that the NBA toughens up and doesn't make this a total mockery where people can draft it on 2K teams every summer. I mean, let's it, let's build teams organically through the draft, through trades. Hockey is, I think, a lot healthier right now than the NBA. As far as you know, yeah, I would agree with that. From old school fans, I'm sorry, I'm not on TikTok. You know, I, you know, I'm 45, going on 20, but at least I don't, you know, I'm not TikTok. I'm, yeah. I know a damn lot about sports, and I know that I don't want to see, you know, five guys get on a, a random team. I'd rather watch a random, a, a smaller yeah. underdog team. Granted, I'm a Portland fan, but you get what I'm saying. I like the underdogs. Yeah. I like orga- organic, you know, keep Dame Lillard in Portland. Yeah, that that means yeah. a lot to me. Um, 
I don't want to see, you know, I never want to see Connor McDavid leave Edmonton to sign with the Rangers when he's 37. I don't like that stuff. You know, keep it homegrown. Keep it you real. Know, I'll tell you this right now, though. Uh, for It might be a good off season to be a Portland Trailblazers fan. Well, number three pick, yeah. Number three pick. That will they, No, they, I'm not talking will, about that. One ball off. What's up? I'm not talking about that. I'm psyched as a Blazer fan right now. You got the number three pick. There's a certain, there's a certain big name. Jalen Brown. Could, if, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. If he for is the number dealt, three pick. If he is dealt, I don't know if it would be for the number three pick, but if he's dealt, uh, Portland is one of the destinations. Okay. So there's the guy without the, uh, obviously, hopefully no one else has the, the gun waving stuff, but yeah. Almost a John Morant. Uh, they're calling him like a Russell Westbrook Morant. Scoop, uh, Scoot, Watt, um, Scoot Henderson is the number three projected player. Portland has number three. Obviously, number one, Spurs, Big Papa Popovich taking Victor, the 7'5 yeah. guy. Jesus. The Blazers were so close right. to getting him. Anyway, let's not cry. We're still, you know, yesterday's gone. Whatever. So now, yeah, Brandon Miller, I guess, projected Alabama 6'9, small forward. The only reason he's going to Charlotte, number two, Charlotte already has uh, Lonzo Ball. They already have a point guard. So the, the best point guard in the draft by far is this guy, Scoop. Yeah, and I think Boston Celtics think he's the new guy to combo with Tatum. Yeah, the Blazers are offering um, number three and Anthony Simmons. Oh, Vegas goal. White cloud. Whoa. I mean, Steve, would you would you give up uh, Jalen Brown for the number three pick? This this rookie point guard is supposedly sensational. It's like six three, uh, brick, I mean, like, built like a brick house. He's like a Marcus Smart. Here's like the thing that I'm wondering. Here's the thing that I'm wondering. The thing that I'm wondering here, though, he's is, much better than Marcus Smart. Is is uh, you know is, is this the ceiling of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Like, have we? I don't think it is the ceiling. And number two, number two, the only way the only way I see Jalen Brown being moved is this. Uh, obviously, Brad Stevens uh, came out during his end of the season press conference, and he stated that the team wants Jalen Brown to remain a Celtic for the long haul. Uh, yeah, that's called talk. That's called and talk. He is, and he is eligible. He is eligible for the supermax. Here's the problem is that Brown and Tatum are both eligible for the Supermax. Yes. And signing the both of them obviously would be top priority. However, the the problem is is that it would it, it would it would severely handcuff them uh financially. Right. When it comes to contracts and another thing as well is does Jalen Brown even want to remain a Boston Celtic? Because he's all, he's always been very critical of how fans uh, of how fans see him. You know, he's he's really he he it, it, it almost seems like he's basically I don't want to call him soft. But it's like it's it's almost as if he's let he he can very easily have the fans get to his head essentially. So 
I think if they move or if they move Jalen Brown, it's probably because I don't think it's because they that they feel that they've reached their ceiling. I think it's because Brown will probably have told them that he doesn't want to sign there for the long term. Yeah. Well, and his another thing too is that his eight turnovers in the last game didn't help his cause. And if you if your two best players both can be wings, that's kind of redundant. They could have a really good maybe a John Morant Westbrook type point guard with Tatum to feed in the ball. That's a, that's what kind of people are suggesting. Um, Jalen Brown and Lillard would be awesome in Portland. Seems like a match. Portland would have to give up more than the three, which is amazing because you're going to draft a twenty-one. You're going to get a twenty-one-year-old yeah. incredible point guard to hit. I mean, the smart thing. Brog is Brogdon a free agent? Uh no. Brogdon has. I think Brogdon has like one more year left on his deal. In one or two more years. For them. I, and I'm pushing it a little bit, Steve. Realize that, obviously, I'm a Portland fan, so I'm trying to push it. I'm trying to lobby for that. I'm yeah. not being totally unbiased. I, but well, I no, I'll put it this way. And, Jalen, and Jalen's contract coming up, too. So, I mean, you literally yeah. get a, a new player for, what, a five-year rookie deal. Yeah. And this guy's apparently like the next well, Westbrook. You could, you could flip, you yeah, could flip like a 21-year-old. You could flip like a – you could get a 21-year-old like Westbrook for ha- – for, no, no money compared to uh, Jalen Brown. Just switch them. That's kind of a good move. Well, for put Boston. it this way. Put, put it this way, though. Uh, another thing too is with Malcolm Brogdon, people are are starting to wonder if they may move him too, because of the fact that his value is at its highest right now. I with love him Brogdon. having awesome one player. sixth man of the year. He's an awesome with him player. having He's one sixth starter. man of the year. You know, you know, they yeah. could, uh, obviously, yeah, you know, a lot of people believe he could be easily be a starter. Uh, uh, why not trade Jalen Brown, Brown, um, get Scoot, this guy's going to be the next John Morant, uh, the Portland trade. Trade Jalen, then you have Scoot, and then you have um, Brogdon at the two. So you replace well, Jalen, and then well, you have Tatum. You could start uh, Brogdon. That's a little bit. Well, yeah. the thing is, they they would prefer to start White and then start Brogdon. Oh, White was playing incredible too. They just ran out of steam. Missoula let let a lot of people down. Uh you know, I don't even. I, I don't know if he did. Coming off did of, coming it? off of this series, coming off of this series, I don't even know if it was Missoula. You're right. Yeah. I really don't. I really don't even know if it was Missoula. I think with all the with all the reports that came out about the team privately hating each other and you know that they they were just they were going to be glad that th- this was back when they were facing a 3 nothing hole. Uh you know that they were they were going to be glad that they could that they could stop faking it with each other. Uh, you know, I don't even know if it's Missoula. I think it's more of the fact that these guys just couldn't just couldn't get out of their minds that oh, Ime Udoka is no longer coaching us. So, uh, you know, now we have to now we have to fucking piss and moan uh, just because just oh, because you know. our team 
just because our team mishandled a PR uh, a PR uh, thing here, which is basically that's what it was. It should have been handled by by uh, by human resources with Ime Yudoka as opposed to being made into a press conference and everything. I understand why the why the players may be pissed off at that, that they that they kind of felt like Ime was made an example out of, essentially. I understand that, but at the same time, you know you guys you know you guys are playing for your jobs, right? So well, it's a matter of pride. You know, it, I hate seeing that it stuff, just man. Seemed, it's, it's, you know, these guys, like, they need motivation to play at this stage. Like, weren't they in high school trying to, like, win a championship? Or didn't they get cut from JV like Jordan did? Don't they have some, like, killer instinct like Kobe? They need, like, motivation to play hard. Not. You know what I mean? Making, like, $40 million a year. Right. You can't play hard. Right. Kids, kids are desperate to, to, to play a game in middle school, and they're making $50 million a year, and they can't play hard. That's why I have such a problem with Harden, as you know. But whatever, yeah. it is what it yeah. is. So, like, you know, I love uh, Marcus Smart. I, I love Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's problem was he just kept turning the ball over. He's not a great dribbler, and gets no. exposed. You know what I mean, Lou? Oh, so yeah. it's like I think, Definitely and and then they're kind of like one's on the left, one's on the right. And neither one, neither one's a big man, neither one's a point guard. I think you got to. You're not moving Tatum. Maybe you move Brown. Brown's contract coming up too. I think now is the time to trade Brown and get a really good uh, young point guard. Portland could do that for you. What What are your it's thoughts on on the uh, on the current status of the Boston Celtics following their elimination by the Miami Heat in the uh, in the conference uh, finals? What What are your thoughts? Where Where do you believe Boston stands right now? Well, uh, right now, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say rebuild. I mean, that's how that's how the question. You know, they made they were the top in the conference all year, but you know, they really got to work on they really got to work on you know a few things during the off season. I mean, there was no way they should have lost that game to, to begin with. They had it in the bag, and they had the momentum uh, going going into that game seven after that dramatic victory. So I think they they do have to work on a few things. Um, when it's season, you get better shooting, get better, maybe get better, bring getting a better guard. So, because you know, that was just, that was just mind-boggling how they just managed to collapse in that final game, the ultimate choke signal. Right. It was, you know, it, it just seemed... To me, it, it it just seemed like their whole, you know, I mean, it's 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 no secret their entire game plan this season was live and die by the three. And yeah, never, never a recipe for long term. I'm down. I mean, it is what it is, man. Yeah, live by the three, dab dangerous dagger. You get stabbed in the back by yourself in the, in the end, unless you're stabbing uh, Clay Thompson. Yeah, but it, you know it's like okay, you have you, you have live or die by the three, but yet what was working for them during this you know during this uh, this huge comeback, this comeback from being down three nothing, was they were getting to the basket. You know they were they attack, were uh, capitalizing attack, on attack second chance points. To echo you, yeah, they were attacking the rim. 
You can't sit out there on the perimeter. Come on, no. man. This is the YMCA. You got to attack the perimeter. Uh, sorry, attack the rim. Then you get people in foul trouble. You slow down the game. Make people think. You can't just sit around there. It's not a three-point contest. No, yeah, stupid. they were being more aggressive. That's what was getting them back into the series. That's what you needed. You got to be more aggressive. Yeah. When in doubt, attack the rim. Go to the bucket. Go to the hole. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's 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 be clear. You know, I ragged on on e or not Ime on uh, Joe Mazzula during the series, and even even you know the Philadelphia series, I ragged on him. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think Joe Mazzula I don't think Joe Mazzula was the reason why they lost. No, no, no. He got a lot better at the end. It's not even like he stayed big. Yeah. He didn't have some, like, calamity or travesty, but he was getting thoroughly out. He was getting worked. Like, he was getting, you know, cooked like a rib early on, and then he really made adjustments. And he did say, you know what, he he raised his hand and said, you know what, no, I am a legit coach. Joe really yes. coached well, I think, at the end. And Brad Stevens recognized that, and uh, that's the most important person in Missoula's life right now because he's coming back for next year. Yeah, he just got. Brad Stevens. The problem is he got he got thoroughly. Uh, it's just he put him in a hole. Uh, he put him in a hole. You yeah, know, you can't go down two zip, three zip. I mean, Christ. Right. I Not mean, easy. it doesn't help Not that. Easy. It doesn't help that he put them in a hole, but it just. I, 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 I really he hate referring to my team. Yeah, he wasn't experienced. Dude. I mean, I, I, you know, he tried to kind I, of learn by fire, trial, trial by fire. I just, I just really hate referring to my team like this, but it's, it's almost like this team is basically like a whole bunch of crybabies. Like they're, they're basically they're oh, still so pouting. Good. They're still pouting all because Ime Udoka got fired. Oh, they, they got mad. They got mad at my coach for um, sleeping on his wife, yeah. sleeping around. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, life moves on. And again, you're uh, sorry. I always keep bring this up, but yeah, you're making thirty million dollars a year. Uh, play basketball, have fun. You know, you're on TV. It's not you're not you know collecting garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not cleaning windows and you know Somebody thirty stories up every day for twenty dollars an hour. Like this is not a really terrible job. Keep moving. Keep being positive. Yeah, you're right. They were crying over spilled milk. Oh, Imadoka left. Well, yeah, move on. I was and I, I was hoping this, that uh, Brad Stevens would go back if it was that bad. I mean, what are these guys? They're acting like they're uh, working at Walmart and, like, hammered by people. Dude. Yeah, it was just so pathetic. There's no excuse. It was so pathetic, honestly, watching a team like this that – And Missoula – And, and, and then all of these – Missoula – to finish my point, Missoula was on the staff last year. It's not like they brought in some random dude holding a clipboard. Right. Where's, where's Coach Aduka? Dude, they know Missoula. That's an excuse by the players. That's inexcusable. Yeah. Right. And another, you know, another thing too is, uh, I mean, yeah, they were, you know, they got they got down uh, three games to none, but. I mean, you're you're basically being mocked by yeah. all of the NBA media. You're being mocked by the fans. Uh, you're 
basically being made into a complete laughing stock. And it was basically like these these guys were all under the same agreement of like let's just get the let's just go home early. Let's uh you know get to the off season as quickly as possible. Essentially. Where's your motivation? Yeah. And yeah, it's like why not you know, why why don't you just, why don't you play with pride? I mean at least oh, at least Lutton. at least Coach show Lutton. some pride Sorry. for your own damn self. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Steve like Steve or Lou, like you know, high school or you know, maybe a job that we've all had or like you know, if, if someone you really like leaves and then like someone else you appreciate takes over, oh, I was like, no, keep going. They didn't bring in some random like robot, some terrible person. Missoula was part of the greatness that made them the great Celtics again last year before this year. They didn't bring in some random right. person. So why make excuses over Adoka? Adoka put his where he, he shouldn't have, and now he's in Houston, where, probably with Harden and in the strip clubs. But anyway, uh-huh. yeah. So like. They're making excuses. Yeah. Oh, Vegas again. I would just, I would literally, yeah. if I was in that Celtics, if I was in that Celtics locker room, if I was in that Celtics locker room during that, uh, you know, during that whole ordeal when they when they went down 0-3, I would have, uh, I and I'm pretty sure Al Horford probably did something similar. Uh, yeah. I would have said, "What the fuck are we doing?" The, these guys yeah. are a number eight seed. We were a number two seed heading into these playoffs. We are not playing Celtics basketball. What the fuck are we doing right now? Yeah. You know, I would have felt humiliated, honestly, to even be in that Good. type of hole against a team where you had one guy in Caleb Martin playing all of a sudden like he was Michael Jordan and landing every single <laughs> fucking not. shot that he took. Well, he was cut. Jordan. He was cut by the Hornets and yes. the lottery the lottery Hornets. And his brother, his twin brother, still plays for the Hornets. And this guy's lining up like he's Dominique Wilkins. Yeah, and by the way, might yeah. I add, I believe he was scoreless in game one against Denver. I really like the guy too. I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I'm trying to like slam, like you know, throw the guy in the mud. But uh, his story is amazing. This guy was like cut by the Hornets. He he. But yeah, game one, he totally got put in his place. Defense, size, Denver. Yeah, and I you know, you know I I understand here we're we're sort of combining uh, not just problems with the Celtics, but we're also combining that with the NBA Finals now. Uh, now, because well, it's a I mean, very good transition. To, well, you guys need to get more D-level. Time Lord's awesome. Um, tell me, tell me when you uh, know the answer. I wish, I wish I had an answer. Father Time is uh, yeah. undefeated, so you know, uh, Time Lord yeah. uh, Al Horford's not going to be younger, right? So they probably right. need to get. You know, I, I almost think. I wouldn't be surprised if Al Horford gets moved. I mean, he's going to be making he about, have, I think, eleven million. He's going to be making, I think, around eleven million. He may get, he may get moved. You got to get younger now. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but yeah. this, this league is a fast, athletic league, man. It's the NBA. This is the best of the best. I mean, Al Horford's a, a really proud uh, Celtic, and overall, I mean, he might. Uh, is he Hall right? Man? No. 
fight these time all star, whatever. You get my drift. Uh, overall, yeah, he's right. not going to be any younger next year. I, I, in a perfect world, again, the salary cap is a is a painful uh, a painful part of our life, right? You would love to have him as like yeah. the first guy off the bench. You'd love to have a guy Embiid or the Knicks or anyone next year, but if they can't afford it, yeah. I, Steve, do you really as a Celtics fan, do you want to? Would you move Jalen Brown? Because next year he's a free agent. This is the year. Nice. The only the it's only tough. way I would move Jalen Brown, the only way I would move Jalen Brown is if he a hundred percent is not coming back. If like if he, the way I the, the the way I mean it that way is if he has told management that he is not interested in signing long term, then yeah, I would move him. Uh, you know, at the same time, I kind of felt like the Celtics pr- – I, I, I kind of felt like both him and Tatum proved this season that they could coexist alongside each other out there in the starting lineup. You know, that they could they could prove that they would be a force, basically, when they're out there on the court together that uh, – you know, I think the big the big thing that Brown has to look at is he's not going to be the guy of this team. That's Tatum. No. So no. if he if he's fine with being a number two to Tatum, then oh, no, Tatum Brown. You know, Celtics Celtics have to move on. Here, come on. You know, it kind of makes. It does kind of make me wonder if, and, and you know, another thing too is if we do get rid of Brown, yep. uh, you know, it would take something like, for example, going going to um, going to Portland. It would take something That's like the, thing, the number three pick. That's the thing, huh? Jude Henderson is it like a it's like a John Moran or a Westbrook. That's pretty tantalizing. That's pretty sexy. That's pretty tempting, right? Yeah, it and then take you have something. It would take five years. Then, he, then, he, then you don't have Brown's contract. You can sign another one or two other guys down low with Horford or with Brogdon. And yeah, because I love Smart. I don't think he's a starter. I don't, Smart's confusing. He's not because he doesn't facilitate. This young guy could be like an awesome point guard to give Tatum the ball. Oh no, it's he hard can now facilitate. Make no make yeah, no, no mistake about it. He yeah. can facilitate. There was there was one game, uh, there was one game against Miami. I think it was game one where he had like ten assists at the half. Yeah, right. no joke. He had uh, literally no joke. He had ten assists at the half. I love Brown. I just, yeah, I think that money and that contract is better served somewhere else. It's kind of that year, and after what just happened. And Portland really loves Jalen Brown. This might be a great deal to quickly jump on. Another another you could have a superstar point guard with Tatum now. Instead of like you know Brown's awesome, but it's like they're both kind of kind of similar. They're both they put, both play outside. I don't know. It's a tough call. Yeah, and uh, you know another another place that has been brought up is the Atlanta Hawks, which is yep, uh, where Jalen Brown, which which is where Jalen Brown, uh, obviously you know he's from Atlanta, so 
Trey Young would be awesome. Uh, one of the that'd be fun. One one of the uh, potential scenarios that has been discussed is Brown to Atlanta for John Collins, Sadiq Bay, and multiple draft picks. No way, no way. If I'm talking, if I'm picking up the phone in Atlanta, I'm calling for Trey Young. Trey Young's not happy there, and they're not happy with Trey Young. No. Well, the problem with Trey Steve, Young no way. is John that. Collins? John Collins not close to trade, uh, Jalen Brown. No way. Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing, though. The problem with Trey Young is that he's too much of a defensive liability. Well, a lot of people are now in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, you, but you could have Trey Young, you could have Marcus Smart the two, and then you could have. Yeah, that would be tough. I mean, it would be he, he's the problem. I would love Trey Young. The problem is he'd be too awesome much of a Boston. defensive liability for a team be awesome for a team Boston. that prides themselves on defense. Yeah. Well, they need more market smart Al Horford players. That's the thing. They have the identity. Well, show me the proof. Right now, their roster, Time Lord, I love, you love. Uh, Marcus Smart, awesome defender. That's that's the identity. That's the DNA. So if you want to get one of those other guys, though, they might have some, they might not have the same DNA though. They might not have the same identity right. defensively. So it's a given thing. Right. It's like it's it's tough. I mean, the guys do the the number three the the, the pick that Portland has. If you move Jalen, Jalen's a very good defender. Um, apparently, this guy scoots like a Marcus Smart type defender. Not as good right. as Marcus Smart, but defensively, but much better offensively. So it's tough. Because now you have, I mean, I, I thought Brogdon should have been starting the whole season. He's an awesome point guard, I think. 6-6, lefty. I mean, that now, guy's awesome. Now, what's being talked about, it, it all depends on what on what uh, Damian Lillard wants. Uh, there are two oh, yeah. different things that have been talked about, that if Damian Lillard wants out of Portland, you may be looking at a swap uh, that involves both Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart as part of a Damian Lillard deal. However, there's also, uh, if Lillard wants to stay, uh, one of the potential trades is Amperty Simons, Nasir Little, and multiple first-round picks, including the number three pick. Yeah, Anthony Simon is a good, really good player. He's six three, so he's smaller. He doesn't. Yeah, and Boston, no and, and Boston has been looking at him for quite some time too. Now, he plays no defense. I, I watch Portland way too much. God, God forbid. I mean, God bless me. I don't know why I'm a Blazers fan, but anyways, yeah, he's like a CJ McCollum. Like, he's he's a volume scorer. He's much. He's yeah, instant offense. He can score 40 points in a night, but he's also – he doesn't play a lot of defense at all. And he's not a true point guard. So he's a bad pairing with Lillard. They're looking to move him. Uh, Portland has their shooting guard of the future, Shaden Sharp, who they drafted last year. Right. So they want to move off of uh, Simons and get more defense. Anthony Simons, really, really good player. He came out uh, straight, from, straight from high school. Went to IMG, Orlando guy. Simon's immensely talented. Uh, he can score 40 a night, any given night, but he just doesn't play a lot of defense. Um, that's the thing. He's like a microwave yeah. Johnson. He's a volume scorer. 
So I don't know if he's like a, a great starter. I think he's better served as a point guard. If, I mean, if they offer the number three and Simons for Jalen Brown, I think Boston would do that automatically. Probably, yeah. Uh, let's That's get J- let's get JB's thoughts. Uh, J- JB is uh, is joining us for the uh, extra hour here. Uh, JB, uh, have you been paying attention at all to the uh, to the NBA playoffs? Uh, in particular, uh, now the NBA Finals are upon us. No, I have not. <laughs> I'm more or less. I'm more or less called. Just to listen. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I should have taken that advice years ago. Okay. Well, uh, d- did you did you get to watch? Uh, you didn't get you didn't get to watch uh, any uh, any basketball at all, JB, as of recent. No, me and basketball. No, uh-uh. <laughs> Damn. Well, Lou, Lou, what are what are your thoughts, Lou, on on the uh on the whole uh Celtics problem that is uh that they face themselves with? Well, as I said earlier, you know, with the way how things just unravel in game 7, you know, they I mean, I thought they had it in the bag. And they just put on the choke signal right there. So, you know, they, they, they blew, they blew themselves. But do you think, uh, do you, do you think that uh, there may be wholesale moves that might have to happen this off season? Mm, Well, maybe, you know, because I mean, they were sure supposed to, you know, win this game and they choked right in their home, home court. I think somebody in the front office is going to, you know, have some thing to say about it. I mean, look, they fired Monty Williams. They fired, you know, Doc from Philadelphia. They're having a tremendous season. So, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be something happening. You know, uh, the front office is going to have, is going to have a discussion with, uh, you know, maybe the coaching staff or whatnot. So uh, it can get pretty ugly in these next couple of weeks. Oh, boy. Stay tuned. And we have an Epping and Gold. That is it. Golden Knights winner. Yep, that'll do, that'll do it for Vegas. So Vegas, uh, Vegas will take game one. Ah, they will take game one of this uh, of this uh, potential seven game series. Uh, well, right now four to two with about two minutes left, and Vegas is on the power play. So. Uh, that's pretty much gonna gonna put a bow on uh, on this game at least, uh, barring yeah, a oh. miraculous comeback Steve, here. Steve, Steve, I love you to death. I was I was so close. I was like Clint Eastwood. I had a itchy trigger finger. I was gonna take Vegas. I said, hey, before the show, should I take? Vegas? He said, nope, Florida, Broski. I said, okay. <laughs> I held off. That was a crap game. Well, I'm you can't telling pick you, that Vegas. Can't pick that game. <laughs> Vegas, they're just. I'm not blaming you. Wow, I, I'm I'm just very surprised right now. They maybe they maybe they they're a lot better depth wise than I thought. It could be. 
again, grueling, grueling series, third line, fourth line. I mean, you got to go from Zach Whitecloud to take the lead. Mark Stone yep. added a uh, insurance well. tally, and Mar- you know, Mark Zach Stone. Well. That's a, you know, Mark Stone. That's a guy who's been one of the top players in the league for how many years, and has never been to the Stanley Cup. And now he has the opportunity. Or wait, no, no, no. He was he he went to the Stanley Cup. I think his wait. When did he join Vegas? Uh, it might have been his first year in Vegas, I think. Yeah, his first year in Vegas. Uh, no, he got injured that year. I say, or wait, no. Wait a minute. When, when did Vegas make it? Was it 2018, 2019? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was traded to Vegas that year. year. Yeah, he was traded to Vegas that year from Ottawa. So he was in the Stanley Cup Finals that year. Problem is, he only played about seven games in that playoffs. I think he ended up having a uh, four, three, two, one. Yes. I I think he ended up getting injured in the playoffs, and that's why. I I think that may partially be why uh, Vegas didn't win the Cup that year was because they didn't have uh, Mark Stone as part of their – wait a minute. Let me check. You know, I'm 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 very interested right now. Let me check the 2018 Cup Finals. No, Mark Stone did not play at all. So Stone got injured that oh, year. Oh. So this technically this is his first Stanley Cup final appearance. Okay. It would have been his second, but uh Vegas you know he he wasn't uh, he wasn't active in the Cup Finals that year for Vegas. So, mm-hmm. but maybe uh, by the way, teams teams that win Game One of the Stanley Cup Final, seventy six percent of the time they have won the series. So, uh, a good sign for the Vegas Golden Knights uh, taking one step closer. And maybe Butch Cassidy will finally get his Stanley Cup that he's been uh, that he's been looking for uh, as a head coach. Oh, without the Sundance Kid, yeah. Oh, we got. Um, we got. But uh, Bruce, I mean Bruce Cassidy. You know, he was he was formerly the coach of the Bruins, but he was also a, uh, the former coach of the Washington Capitals as well. Where, right. if anybody remembers that, uh, everybody rem- uh, everybody remembers how he left Washington. Where everybody was saying, "There's no way this guy can cut it as a as an NHL coach," uh, despite making the playoffs in his first year uh, out of two years with uh, Washington. And then he got fired in his second year uh, with an eight eighteen and one record. Um, then he goes to Boston, uh, makes playoff appearances in each of his six seasons at the helm. Uh, ended up losing in the Stanley Cup Finals in Game Seven, 
uh, back in 2019. And now here he is back again in the Stanley Cup Finals. And off Full to circle. a good start so far. Wow. 5-2. Yep. Well, I mean, the thing is, Steve, you know, Florida's not – one thing they're not, they're not scared. So, you know, 1-0, big deal. They're not blinking. They're, they're lacing them up. They're ready to play tomorrow. So, you know, they'll wait a few days, but – Again, I, I'll hold to it. Yeah, this can't. This, this series going seven games. Yeah, I would be surprised if it doesn't go seven. I think uh, between both matchups, whether if it was Florida Dallas, I don't think that goes seven. Uh, if it was Vegas and Carolina, I don't think that goes seven. Uh, but Florida and Vegas, I I would be very surprised if this doesn't go seven. And I'm I'm talking very surprised because uh, simply because of how how evenly matched uh, when you when you compare these two teams uh, how evenly matched they look on paper. But obviously, you know, as we know, on paper is one thing, uh, and the product out there on the ice is a completely different thing. Okay. Uh, oh, also, uh, real quick, uh, Celtics general manager uh, Brad Stevens did say that Joe Mazzula would officially return next season as the Celtics head coach and the season's moving forward, might I add. So uh, despite the collapse and everything in Game 7, he is considered to be their permanent head coach moving forward. Uh, The New York Knicks, they have parted ways with general manager Scott Perry with his contract set to expire this summer. Uh, The last time that his contract was set to expire, they gave him a two-year extension after they made the playoffs back in 2021. Uh, This time, though, uh, even though they brought in, even though he brought in Jalen Brunson last summer, uh, apparently it was not enough. Along with a playoff, for, uh, with a playoff appearance, it wasn't enough to keep Perry's uh, for Perry to uh, keep his uh, right. his job. Apparently, so I mean, I mean, let's just talk, uh, you know, looking at it from from this perspective, you guys obviously know the uh, the mix better than I do. Uh, uh, let's start with you, Lou. What do you think of this decision for them to all of a sudden move on from their uh, from their general manager like this? Well, I mean, you know, we we have. I think it's a good move there. I wish they had fired. I wish they had fired Dolan, but uh, that's not going to happen. But you know, I think if they maybe was it maybe they'll get more of a chance to uh, you know move on. Uh, in the, um, for the for the postseason because uh, we need that we need more moves, you know that that helps to go further. We did well this season. Now maybe we can move a step forward. So I think it was the I think it was the right move um, to to, to uh, dump their general manager. Sometimes what you need too. So that's one that's one of the big problems that is the team's general managers. 
Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, sometimes maybe a, yeah, maybe yeah. a, a change could be what you need. Yes. But I, I don't know. What What are your thoughts, Alex, on uh, on the Knicks all of a sudden, you know, despite getting Jalen Brunson and despite uh, making a play, another playoff appearance uh, and actually making it to the second round of the playoffs this year, and now all of a sudden uh, they're moving on from their general manager. Well, yeah, that's a little bit uh... – a little bit strange to me. Um, I, th- I mean, I love the fact that uh, you guys know that, you know, very, very much so from, from where I've always been talking about the last couple of months. I, I like, I, I'm really glad that uh, Thibodeau is finally being rewarded and being uh, recognized as a legit coach there. Are the kids' job is safe? Uh, maybe there was some uh, fighting in-house about what Thibodeau wants to do and what, uh, you know, what the GM wants to do. Uh, I still think R.J. Barrett was a terrible draft pick. Uh, it's, he's a pretty good player. You remember that? He was John Morant. Uh, John Morant was two, and R.J. was three. That's a bad draft for the Knicks. Lefty cannot hit a shot. Um, I would keep Randall. I would move R.J. I would probably move Mitchell Robinson, too. Uh, but, yeah, they have right now they have to re-sign a uh, uh, friend, his teammate from Villanova. He was injured, you know, at the end in their player front. But they need to bring him back. That's the first priority. And then I would probably yeah. – I mean, I, Randall, like, acted good again. He's like, the, you know, the, the, the crazy uh, – the wife or whatever you want to call it, the crazy boss, you know. He acts good, then he acts bad right. the next day. I mean, total headache. Um, I would keep Randall, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know. You know what? I would actually move Randall if I could. For another pick, mm. and I build around uh, Bronson and uh, Josh Hart. Yeah, that'd be my take on the uh, Knicks. I yeah. think I think they need a, uh, a new GM to actually clean house. As far as you know, I, I wouldn't call it right because they have a good foundation. They have building blocks. They don't need to like reset, but get get some of the you know the BS off the gutter, off the sidewalk. So you, you think know, so, so you ultimately you ultimately think it was a good move for them to uh to get rid of uh to get rid of their general manager and and start anew. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I mean if, if they did that again there's something behind the scenes, you know. We're not privy to. We're we're not uh we're right. knowledgeable about. It. There's something else going on. So, you know, whether it's smoke or fire. Yeah, and right. Know, maybe they move up. Yeah. Um uh, Portland's got the, Portland has the Blazers have their uh, number one pick from the Josh Hart deal, so they're not going to yeah. make an impact draft. But I think maybe they can make a trade. I would move Randall for someone else. I mean, he's too. Uh, you know, I hate to use the word randomly, but you know, kind of right. bipolar, left and right, north and south. You need someone a little bit more consistent because Brunson has proved that he's like a, a top notch player in the world. The Knicks, you know. Love him or hate him, the GM who they just uh, let go, he added Jalen Brunson. Amazing. He's one of the best players in the world. Exactly. So they have that. They yeah, have that. I, I need to break this up, but uh, I may be expecting a uh, little brother uh, to do his stuff at 1130, so I have to leave it at that. But uh, I'll be back next week. Remember, this is final exam time. Okay. Okay. All righty. No, pro- no problem, Luke. 
All right, I'll be back right next week. Same time, same station. <laughs> Do nice hearing from you, Lou. All right, have a, <laughs> have a good night, Lou. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, the, Knicks, the, the Knicks are, you know, let's be honest. You know, they're not, no one ever thought they were going to win it all. Come on. But, you know, it, but it is a, it's a proud, you know, it's a proud city, you know, New York City, the Mecca, whatever the fuck it is. You know, the Knicks do have a proud, you know, tradition. They, they have really good fans. So it was good to see them actually get good again. I think it was, it was really good for the league. And, you know, they, they were never a threat to win at all. But, uh, you know, obviously there's some in-house fighting. So, you know, you move on. Yeah, I guess I guess I'm just kind of surprised that you move on from a guy who has basically brought your team back to relevancy, respectability, and Respect, yeah. you know he's brought your team back to relevancy, and yeah. it's like, it's like all of a all of a sudden they're like, you know, thanks for thanks for uh, for helping us, but yeah, uh, you're not good enough to keep around, so. Yeah, and it's interesting because Steve, I mean, you, me, and, and you know, I think ninety-four uh, percent of people would agree that sounds really messed up. It, that doesn't sound like it. It shouldn't be that way, right? It should be different, right? I think there's something else. Maybe there's something else going on in house. You know what I mean? That that's got to be the only explanation. Because he did. I mean, love or hate. I have no two cents in the matter. But you know, I I I, I don't have a dog in the fight. I always root for the Knicks a little bit because I used to go to the Garden as a kid. And it was a pretty cool place. But, I mean, overall, you know, if that guy moved on, he made some pretty good moves. So there has to be something else going on there. But, you know, I I think the best thing for them would bring in someone else old school. You know, I'm not saying Bobby Knight, you know, nothing like that. But maybe someone from, like, Midwest down south. I mean, the Knicks get carried away in the glamour a little bit. Now, when the Knicks were really good, they had DeBusher, Phil Jackson, Walt Clyde, Frazier. I mean, it, the Knicks were the best, you know, in the 60s, 70s. That was their best, their height. And then, uh, you know, Ewing, Starks, Oakley, X-Men, Anthony Mason. Those, those are like the, the proudest Knicks moments, you know. As a city, I think, New York City, those are the best Knicks teams. Right now, they're kind of looking for their identity. They, 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 they feel like they got it now. Maybe he wasn't in line with that. So it's like I would I would bring in someone else blue collar, you know, add a couple more defenders. I think they have to move off R.J. Barrett, uh, but they have our, you know Brunson's an absolute star. So I mean, I think they're going the right the right direction. They got to you know make a couple more moves. Right. Yeah, I definitely think they need to do. They they probably do need to make a couple more moves. Um, but I, you know, I am pretty satisfied, I guess I should say, with yeah. how they, with how they fared this season. When you, they, they, when they you think awesome. of, I thought it was great. Yeah, when you think of where, when you think of where they usually are, <laughs> where they were, where they were, you know, a year yeah. or two ago. Yeah, yeah, no, it was a great year. You know, there's only one person that can, you know. Wear a ring. Yeah, that's what I always say with all the sports, man. I mean, Eagles had an incredible year. Oh, they didn't win. They suck. No, they don't suck. They had a great year. The Chiefs won. So it's like, you know, it's a very it's a very competitive world in the world of pro sports, just like college. So, I mean, I think the Knicks are on the right course. 
maybe it's better that they that he left. Maybe someone else is going on. I mean, maybe there's some we're not really sure of. So, but I mean, if right. they can get back like that, imagine if they can get back to like Phil Jackson. That would be a pimp move. That'd be great. Now, how about <laughs> this? We were talking good. about the Lakers. We were talking about the Lakers earlier, and we were talking about Trey Young. Uh, the Lakers have had internal discussions, according to Jovan Buha of the Athletic. Uh, he cover he covers the the L.A. Lakers, I think, for the Athletic. Uh, the Lakers decision makers have had internal discussions about what a potential trade offer for Trey Young would look like. <laughs> they would start with uh, Anthony Davis because you're not leaving LeBron. You're not getting LeBron. Yeah, the Hawks would lap you. And it's also notable that Trey Young was in attendance for the Lakers' game four loss to the Nuggets. So, you know, not sure if if there's anything to that, but I think it's kind of interesting that the Lakers – and imagine if they can somehow do it without having Anthony Davis as part of the deal. I don't, unless Adam Silver, you know, literally, you know, makes it happen, which he's been known to do. NBA is great at facilitating deals that are just ridiculous to get ratings, you know, a.k.a. the Lakers always win. Um, yeah. No, there's no realistic way that Trey Young goes to the Lakers. I mean, come on. If that happens, I mean, whatever. I've said that a million times the NBA. It's, it's the most – it's the loosest salary cap ever, and – the reps are kind of rigged. It's, it's a tough league to stay loyal to. I'm still loyal to it, trust me. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely not the old school, uh, you know, it's not the NFL or MLB these days. I mean, the NBA, if we see the Lakers get another dynasty, if they get Trey Young, I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, there's no feasible way for that to happen. But, no, it would have, there would have to be – Atlanta Atlanta would have to be happy with taking the the least amount possible in return for Trey well, Young. No, I mean the only way that conversation starts is Anthony Davis because they're not giving up LeBron. LeBron might, you know, leave tomorrow. LeBron might retire tonight. He's up in the air. Right. The the best the best piece that the Lakers have by far is Anthony Davis. But D'Angelo Russell was getting abused like a turnstile. He looked like a parking cone. <laughs> he's like, he's saying, oh, I'm going to go to uh, Utah or Chicago. Like, no one wants him. I mean, who else do Lakers have? Hachimura is a free agent. No, Lakers have no other people. The trade. Anthony Davis is a trade chip. Right. Well, uh, who else Lakers have to... a trade? Uh... I mean, honestly, nobody that nobody that could. Uh, I love I love that Reeves. Could amount... I love Reeves. Reeves the free agent. I love Reeves. Yeah, but they want they want to try. I mean, you know, maybe Reeves would be. Maybe Reeves would be would be a. Uh, 
would be a solid option to add in. But the problem is, I think Reeves is a free agent too. Is he restricted, Steve? I was just, honestly, I was just about to uh, ask you that. Is um, he free agent or restricted? Because I would do Reeves in like three number ones. I'd give you Trey Young. Let me take a look real quick. Spot track. Reeves. Oh, wait a minute. These are players that are, let's see, free agents. No, no, go back. Um, okay, those are active contracts. Free agents. Lakers. Reeves is a restricted free agent. Early bird rights. And again, and again, I mean, come on. That, yeah, that's cute. Reeves doesn't move the needle at all. The Hawks are looking for a haul. Come on, Trey Young. That's the face of the franchise. I mean, these are basically uh, of the free, you know, of the of the Lakers right now. These are their free agents. D'Angelo Russell is a free Russell. agent. Malik Beasley. Russell, yeah. Malik, yeah. Malik Beasley is a free agent. Lonnie Walker is a free agent. Hachi, yeah. Hachimura is a free agent. Uh, Reeves is a free wow. agent. Dennis Schroeder. Uh, <laughs> I mean, basically, the only players that are currently under active <laughs> contracts. Yeah, the only players under active contract uh, as of now are Davis, LeBron, Malik Beasley, uh, Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt, Max Christie, and Cole Swider. Wow. Those are literally the only players that are under active contract right now. Yeah. I mean, Reeves is like a, you know, quote, unquote, whatever you want to call it, like sexy uh Possible thing because I mean Anthony Davis, you know, he walks around on stilts. That guy could get injured, uh, you know, get into the sauna tomorrow. Reeves is kind of marketable and kind of tradable. So the the Lakers, I mean, no wonder LeBron's uh, every other minute he's going, I, I'm retiring, I'm not retiring. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not going to root for the Lakers to win a ring. Okay, I saw that way too much yeah. in my childhood. They've had their share. Yeah, give it to someone else. No, so. It's going to be tough for the Lakers to get back there, and you know, you know what? You know, to me, overall, man. I mean, you everyone loves and hates. He's very polarizing. I know, he's, but you know what? He's never gotten arrested. He's never gotten tased. He's never told whatever. I don't look at it like that. But LeBron, love him or hate him, he's been a great play, ambassador for the NBA overall on the court. But I think this his time is up in LA. I don't see how it can. They're not going to win a ring there, okay? That 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 soap opera, you know, that bullshit, whatever. Nine out two and zero, it's not happening. So <laughs> he might he he's saying he might retire a year. Watch him. He's going to go to he's going to probably go to the next highest bidder, which is weak. Uh, you know, I always have respect for LeBron just because he's incredible. But right, yeah, he's coming off kind of weak there because you know what. He's kind of playing the tightrope there. He's going, well, I might retire. He's going to wait and see what the Lakers do because he's LeBron uh, LeGM. LeGM. 
Yeah, he he's yeah. trying to play God. He's trying to play God. He's controlling a franchise. I mean, I honestly, I would not be surprised if he did retire because, I mean, you and look at what they did. They came, you know, you, you look at what they did. They came back from uh, barely even being in contention to all of a sudden, you know, making a couple of huge moves at the deadline and then all of a sudden they're in, you know, they're in the playoffs and nobody even saw them making it to the conference finals like yeah. they did. Um, I think what he is, uh, what he's assessing right now is, is there a legitimate, I mean, yeah, we made the conference finals, but we lost in four games. Is there a legitimate chance for me to potentially win a ring, uh, on, you know, win another ring with LA, or you're absolutely right, dude. Or yeah. should I just, you know, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's him waiting to see what the Lakers do. I think he's more okay. assessing, you know, I think he's more assessing his future. Like, do I even should I should I even go through? the hassle of, you know, potentially trying to, you know, trying to win another ring or should, you know, should I just end up, uh, should I just, should I just retire? I mean, one of the logical things that he could do, and this was brought up as an option, is he could take off this year. And then when his son gets drafted, he could come in for one more season to try and play with his son, whatever team drafts his son. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, he, he wouldn't LeBron, even have LeBron's to. Ca- LeBron, LeBron's going to calculate like uh, he's, you know, again, very polarizing. I wish he never did that because he was a lot cooler when he stopped with all this different stuff that he does. But LeBron's going to sit back and watch what happens to the league, and then he's going to make a decision. Yes. Right. I mean, is is, I mean, he, you know, he, he, may, he may just decide, uh, like, even if, he, even if he were to come back and, uh, you know, uh, play alongside his son, he may, you know, he may end up taking the veteran minimum at that point. You know, just because he'll be coming back, that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll want, like, you know, a max deal, you know, maximum amount of money for one year. He could potentially, play, he could potentially, I could see him playing for the veteran minimum, if it, especially if it means that he gets to play uh, one final season uh, alongside his son. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's the thing right there, Steve. I mean he doesn't. He's obviously not, uh, you know, walking around the block uh, looking for money. He's all set financially. So yeah, he has that that uh, that potential and that right to do that. And I think that's what he's going to do. I don't even know who's going to draft him, but you know it gets it gets weird. But yeah, I mean that is pretty cool. That's, that's kind of a what, what's the last any any professional sport? What Ken Griffey Senior? Ken Griffey Jr. That's the last one, right? Father, son. Yeah. Red. Cincinnati. Yeah. And you know, I think the one, I think the only reason why retirement talk is being brought up is because 
He's been filmed this season by the person who filmed the uh uh what's it called? The last or the last uh the last dance with um Michael Jordan. I think that's yeah. why the retirement talk has been brought up that you know, why would why would there be a, a documentary filmmaker filming LeBron this season? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Unless, unless it was because of that, unless, unless it was that he is actively considering uh, retirement. Because otherwise, I mean, why he's, go he's gonna, through? He's gonna, what is what is uh, Bronny or whatever? I mean, come on, Brownie, Brownie. Like, what is this nickname? Brownie, 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 Bron, Brownie. Okay. Brownie. When he comes in the league, what is it? so G League next year or is he? Oh, is he in college, right? USC or UCLA? Uh, USC. Okay. So yeah. Braun right now is going to sit out a, a year. I can predict that. He's going to semi-retire, a.k.a. coming back. When he knows where Braun is going, Bronny is going, he's going to sign with that team. But like you said, for a minimum deal. Because he could, he could walk around right now and throw $500,000 out of a Lamborghini and not blink. He doesn't need money. I'm not, I mean, I wish I could sound like it. I'm not, you know, I'm just telling like it is. He doesn't need money. He wants to play one year with his son. So he'll sit out for a year. Yeah. That's my prediction. That's my prediction. Yeah, so that might this might be his way of being able to do that because maybe, you know, maybe he's been told he can go, by, he can go by wherever, Lakers management. He can, yeah, he can go wherever Brody goes. Yeah, he may, have, he may have been told maybe by Lakers management, hey, look, we – we may not be looking at potentially uh, drafting Polinka. your son. Polinka. Polinka looks just like Rob yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Doppelgangers. Because, I mean, let's, let's remember, his son technically could be drafted as early as next year's draft. Yeah, and I, uh, from everything I've seen and heard, I, he's not a legit NBA player. But we'll see. I mean, if any if any team's gonna just draft the guy to get a chance to have a forty year old LeBron, good luck. It's marketing. That's not to win a championship. That's to get money. Basically. But you know, who knows? I mean, it, it is, it is possible. Maybe, perhaps, uh, maybe, maybe we don't know how Bronny's going to play at the college level. True. You know, no, you know has, maybe he, he could develop. Yeah, sorry, Steve. I mean, he's not. He's not looking like a. You know, he looks. He looks like he could be really good. We'll see. I just don't like the right. hoopla where, oh, it's his son. Well, we've seen that with Pippen, uh, Jordan's son. You know, other players. It takes a lot more than just being uh, your dad was great to be great. Yeah, but, you know, maybe he could potentially develop into a legitimate, you know, a legitimate NBA prospect. Uh, 
obviously, you know, and, and still being able to be around L.A. is going to help, considering that uh, he'll have his father to uh, help develop him. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be great to watch. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's random, I know, but, you know, college, I went to Ohio. I, I lived in Ohio for six years. I love that area. Um, a lot of my friends are, you know, obviously Buckeye fans, you know, Cavalier fans, Indian fans. People love LeBron. I, I fell in love with, you know, just the idea of LeBron was such a transcendent, incredible talent. You know, I was, I was out there for a while, and I loved it. I love the Midwest, too. I was, I was joking, say, you know, my, my family somehow met from the Midwest in New York City, had me in Connecticut and dropped me off and left me there. <laughs> I'm not really a Northeast guy, per se. Uh, so I always have a soft spot for LeBron. I just, I don't know. This move is going to be really tough. So, but it would be kind of a picture-perfect ending, I guess, for LeBron, if you could play with his son. Uh, they're not going to win a ring. Could be. Come on. Come on. No, no, well, obviously not. I so, mean, it you may know, not I'm even, not, you know, winning LeBron, championships. I just, I just, I just detest the Lakers. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Overall, I like LeBron right. overall. But, you know, win, winning championships may not be the most important thing at this point of his career. Because, I no, mean, look at, no, look at the amount of championships this. he's won. He wants to see this dream come true. He wants to see this happen. Yeah. So. He wants to put I mean, I could, I could legitimately see him retiring this offseason, take a year off, and then, you know, maybe he has some sort of agreement with the Lakers to where they'll allow him to to make the decision. Yeah. We don't know that. Yeah, handshake, handshake and then minimum deal. Yep. But. Uh, we do have some NFL news that I want to go over. Uh, first off, there are a couple of rule changes. Uh, the NFL owners approved a change to the league's fair catch rule that would give the team the ball on the 25-yard line following a fair catch on a kickoff, regardless of where the fair catch is made. Um, it was the league's owners and officials cited safety as a primary reason for the change, while special teams coaches and, and football traditionalists rage about the new rule. Uh, the kickoff play, though, does have the highest rate of concussion year after year, according to NFL executive Jeff Miller. Uh, you can't stand by and do nothing. Uh, the pop-up kickoff, which usually falls around the 10 or 15-yard line, has now officially been neutralized as a result of this. Um, the rule change wow. is set to expire at the end of the 2023 season. Uh, however, it could be revived if players and coaches come around on it this year. So it looks like it's just a one-year change to start off with. Which, honestly, you know, I mean, I mean, I understand why, why people may be pissed off about it, but ultimately, you know, every kickoff now is is basically almost a a, a touchback, anyways. So, 
why not just why not just add this in there with the uh you know especially if you want to negate the possibility of a concussion what's the overall rule again Steve I'm sorry man what's the rule so basically the new rule is wherever regardless of where you do the fair catch uh like for example I I think it's un, unless it's past the 25 yard line if the if the ball is if the ball is kicked and you're behind the 25 yard line and you signal a fair catch the ball will be placed at the 25 yard line regardless of where you caught it well i mean eh, overall i mean that's part of the the risk and, and the intrigue of uh catching a a, a, a kick right i mean you got to be electric or you got to, you know, put the, yeah, I guess I'm in favor of that. I'm not, I'm not in love with it, but I, I would be okay with it. Sounds like it's watering down the league a little bit. I mean, so some of the best plays ever have been through like huge kickoff returns. So I don't know if we're getting away from violence or from what anything, but. Yeah, but to be but fair, I mean, at least at, at least it would it would make it would make the sport a little bit safer. Because think about it, think about how many concussions we've seen over the years come off concussion. specifically off of uh, kickoffs. I hate concussions. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Overall, I mean, if it's for the betterment of the health of the players, yeah, I'm good for it. Um. Yeah, I still think. I mean, it's it's a tough call. You, you can't change the sport, right? But you want people to be healthier. But it's like that's the risk you take. It's an it's an inherent risk. You go into battle, some someone's gonna get dinged up. If you become a cop, you might get. If you become a soldier, someone might. If you're a pro football player, you might get. Yeah, there's there's parts of the job where you sign up for, but you know. Yeah, if if you can if you can help their health, then I'm all for it. Uh, the NFL owners also passed a vote to allow Thursday night football flex scheduling, as Thursday night football had been the only time time spot not subject to flex scheduling late in the season. So now the passed vote allows the league to manipulate all prime time games late in the season, effectively removing the potential for poor math for uh, poor matchups. Um, and it also seems like it's another money grab idea pre- predicated on satiating the paying broadcast companies after Amazon purchased the rights to Thursday Night Football for $1 billion this season. Um, wow. Now, it does say while there are strict rules in place <laughs> as to which teams can flex into the Thursday Night Football game, the new rule could be viewed as detrimental to the competitive integrity of the game, particularly considering the increased magnitude of late season games. So to me, you know, this, this just basically is a way for them to prevent any sort of shitty matchups, essentially. Yeah, of course. 
because it's basically basically what it is is it's ratings driven. So I can understand where this report is coming from that, you know, this isn't uh, some sort of competitive, um, you know, the, the, uh, it, I, I, can, I can see where the, uh, you know, the competitiveness is going to take a hit because they could potentially, well, I mean, nobody pays attention to Thursday night football games anyways. So, at least nobody paid attention this past year. <laughs> yeah, so, so it does not. It does not surprise me at all, honestly. No, no, it shouldn't be any surprise. No shocker there. It is what it is. But, um. This uh, this little uh, tidbit is interesting, though, because according to Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio, uh, it has been stated that Jimmy Garoppolo can be released from his Raiders contract without penalty this summer. Raiders come well, back. yeah, that, I'm telling you. I'm telling that you. but also... It, it has to do with his injury, though, because he failed his physical, apparently, for the Raiders. You said injuries since he was fucking negative four years old. I, I don't make jokes of injuries, but come on. Jimmy's always had injury history. The Raiders knew that. Tom knows that. Tom's a smart guy. Do the math. Tom's coming back midseason. Uh, I think another potential problem, though, too, might be uh, the fact that he's also a part owner as well with the (laughs) Vegas. uh, Well, the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is because uh, there might not be a lot of, uh, you know, there might not be a lot lot of uh, people that would be open to that idea of having – a player well, also be a part owner. They can get over it. What are they gonna what are they gonna do? Oh Tom, you can't quarterback us. I mean who's gonna say no? Uh other teams in the league. Okay. What what the vote? They need a vote? Uh probably, yeah. If not then Mark Davis can quarterback it. I mean, they would probably need a because okay. the vote would probably have to go um, in front. It would probably have to go in front of the owners. Really? Yeah. Oh, if you try to scoot back up. Yeah, like, like for example, if uh, if Brady were to try and suit back up, but yet he's a part owner. Oh, okay. So, you know, with him with him being a part owner of the uh, of the Raiders, how do I put this? It, I guess you could say, it kind of makes a a little bit of a conflict of interest, almost. 
It's really tricky because there's never been, I don't think there's ever been uh, a scenario where a player has been a part owner uh, for the team that he's been playing for. Except in Major League Baseball. Oh, wasn't it Major League Baseball? Yeah. Pete, Pete Rose was uh, Pete Rose was well. He wasn't an owner. He was a manager of the Cincinnati Reds, and he also played at the same time. Yes. Huh. Well, I guess that's different because manager, like there is such thing as a player manager, but there's no such thing as a player owner. Okay. Then again, I, suppose, I don't see what the big. Then again, I don't see what the big, uh, you know, deal is. Well, to because me, Brady would to... then be able to, because Brady would be able to use his influence as not just being the greatest of all time, but also being an owner. To, you know, I, I guess I guess it would be an unfair advantage, because he would also be a part owner of the team. I, I could I could see where some teams may consider it an unfair advantage that uh, you know to to other teams around the league that he could basically use his influence as a part owner along with him you know his influence that he has as a fellow player to get stuff done. To me, I don't see what the big, uh, you know, what the big deal is. That's just me. Yeah, he should be able to go back in, shoot up, throw some spiral. That's my two cents. Yeah, it just, it it, it just seems odd, honestly, um, that. First off, I, I didn't think that this was even possible, that we could have this sort of situation where Brady would be looking at being a potential part owner and also potentially coming back. Although he has he has firmly continued to admit uh, every single time he's asked about this that there's no way he is returning to the sport. Which honestly, you know, I kind of feel. Well, to be fair, I, I I kind of feel that if he was returning, he would have already done it by now, like he did last year. To got the pitches. Well, you know, I don't know about that because I mean, yeah, I would have loved him back as a Patriot, but uh, Patriots do not be surprised. Uh, they might potentially be sneaky good next year with Bill O'Brien as their offensive coordinator, considering he is now fully running the team. And they said uh, reports came out this week saying that their OTAs this week were perhaps the best that they've had since the Brady era. Wow. Imagine if they had uh, Hopkins, who wants to go to New England, can they make that happen? Are, are, are you kidding me? Hall of Fame receiver. Well, um, sign him. 
Yeah, you know, here's the interesting thing with Hopkins. He reportedly has a visit scheduled uh, with the Patriots. And when it comes to money, they have the most to offer him out of any team that's interested. They have the most money remaining that they can uh, that they can potentially offer him. So uh, it would not surprise me at all, especially if Be- if Belichick is that serious about wanting him. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if they can get that done because I, there, there's a reason why they've held on to whatever money that they have right now. Yeah, I mean, not Vic, mention, Bill was right all along, Steve. You know, I was, I was, I was banging on the table. You know me, I'm, I'm not a Patriots fan. I, I respect them, but uh, that's all they need. They need a number one weapon. Hopkins is right there for the taking. Go snag him. Well, a lot of teams also feel like he's, like he's lost a couple of steps. That he won't be nearly as impactful as he ever was anymore. Yeah. Well. Still, I, I would say still, uh, you know, 80 catches, 1,000 yards. I'd sign up for that. Perfect possession. Oh, easy. Guy for, uh, for Mac. Yeah, easy. I would I would easily, uh, you know, sign up for, for that type of production. You know, that's the production that we thought we would possibly get out of Devontae Parker when, uh, when they had acquired him. And... Unfortunately, of course, we ended up with the uh, with the dipshit known as Patricia for our offensive coordinator, and I use that term very loosely in his situation. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, pencil, I, I, pencil, pencil ear, pencil ear. <laughs> yeah, pencil ear, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, so, you know, I guess, from from what I've from what I've read, uh, Mac has been absolutely perfect during the OTAs this week. Uh, and when I say perfect, I mean landing literally every single throw uh, with somebody who actually knows how to call an offense and not uh, you know not missing any of his uh, any of his shots, basically. And also another name to look at for the Patriots, Tyquan Thornton, the second-year wide receiver. Uh, he's making quite the bit of strides. He was looked at, believe it or not, as a number one uh, a number one wide receiver out of their receiver core this uh, this week. Wow, that's impressive. And. You know, many people many people believe that he was underutilized under Patricia once he officially came back from his injury. So, I mean, I would love it if they make the move for uh, for Hopkins, but if not, you know, they may be potentially sneaky good this year. Yeah, they can. Uh, you know that, that's it's definitely something to uh, to keep an eye on here. But uh, anyways, that's gonna do it for us uh, tonight on the 
Sports at Whispers Weekly Podcast. We will be back next week. Yes, there won't be another another random uh, another random uh, clo- uh, you know another random postponement like there was last week. Uh, but uh, yeah, join us next week, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. And as always, if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com/missyae. Or you can subscribe at any of the major podcast networks. Uh, Thank you to everybody who joined us tonight. Thank you to Lou, Diane, Alex, and JB. And we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.